Blog Talk Radio. Uh, 
share my testimony of how the Father have come through, uh, through friends. Um, again, I say 300. It may be, I actually think it's a lot more than that, but I just put, I have to try to put a number on it so I can create a show. Otherwise, I've been there still trying to figure it out. But it's hundreds of people that have been a blessing. And while a lot of people have deposited into me, um, I'm only talking about those that have deposited the most. And if I do forget a name here or there, y'all please forgive me because I'm thinking of everything. I'm really combing over my life. Just, uh, just it, it, it could have just been a one encounter with a person. Uh, they would have had to have been a friend, though, uh, not so much a, a word. Here and these should have been people. These should be people I'm naming. I'm gonna try my best, I should say, to name people that have really imparted something. Always a part of me learning something. They just may have been a part uh, of me learning something that was just transforming. So that's what's happened tonight. Again, the Chronicles of Seth Turner over. 300 personal friends honored. In the Chronicles of Seth Turner, which is the name of the series, I'm going to be switching uh, to all types of, um, uh, again, people, events, uh, places, churches, jobs, anything that really has uplifted me spiritually. Right now, the series is concentrating on friends, but after we've covered all I can think of, I will switch gears and talk about uh, different things, uh, jobs and uh, certain things that happen, certain events that change me, not so much people but events. And so we will get into other aspects of my life outside of the friends itself, uh, such as some of the places I've been, um, uh, like I say, events, brothers and sisters, uh, we'll talk about that after we cover friends. So how are you and yours doing tonight? I really wish you well, brothers and sisters. We wish you well on this Five Zone Network. We are simply blogging to try to make a change in our world by simply sharing things we've learned over the years that have really, really blessed us. Things we know for sure, I like to say. Things we know for sure that have changed our life. So if we know it for sure, we're blogging about it right here on the Five Sustone Network. And I also like to say one of our mantras is we talk about things the Father really is saying in the earth, but oftentimes it's too controversial to mention. Or I shouldn't say too controversial. I'm actually giving them an alibi. Uh, we talk about things the Father is saying in the earth that may be by some deemed too controversial to share in churches and mosques and colleges and high schools and just all types of religious institutions that's supposed to be where you can hear a word from the Father. I know y'all, some of y'all don't believe, it's not Muslims, I understand that, but again, you got, what, three billion of people on the earth that is almost... So anywhere you're supposed to hear from the Most High, let's just say it like that, places you should be learning about what the Most High is doing on the earth, you cannot hear a lot of things. You will never hear a lot of things because some people think it's just too controversial. So 
That's why the Five Song Network was it was born. So I'm going to do something I didn't do, haven't done it for a long time. I'm supposed to do this every ten shows, and I haven't done it in like thirty shows. So I'd like to talk about why we have the Five Smooth Stone Network. But before I get into that, let me just read the show's description real quick so we can all be on one accord. Because some of you call that number every single week. And you don't know what we're talking about. You're just trying to be supportive to the Fossil Soul Network, and we do appreciate you. And by the way, before I forget, side road, side road, huh? <laughs> I won't forget where I'm going, though, brothers and sisters. Um, we will not have a show on Tuesday because Tuesday is the 4th of July. Some of y'all celebrate that. That's one holiday I do not celebrate at all. Um as far as meaning, I, I'm not with the meaning. Uh, uh, I just don't believe in it. Um, but if my family or someone to get, come and get together, I'm always going to get together with my family, no matter what we call it, because I just hardly ever see my family. But uh, I do correct them. I will. They will get preached to on the 4th of July because we're just not down with the 4th of July celebration. So, uh, but I will meet with my family, love on them. Anytime they come over my place or, 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 you know, they want to get together, that's fine. But I don't do no popping firecrackers or anything like that. This is where Brother Seth is not with the 4th of July celebration. So we will be vlogging on tomorrow. I said I'd like to say we're going to be vlogging on tomorrow. So tune in. Um, this is a very powerful show tomorrow, okay? We're going to be dealing with some of the elements of the book, but I guarantee you what's going to be dealt with tomorrow, you cannot miss. Again, that's the systemic lies of white supremacy, our world's ruling religion. So why, I mean, excuse me, let's move that to read the Chronicles of uh, Seth Turner, the uh, show description. Let's read that. I sent this to... Many people, I said Sunday on Blog Talk Radio, the series called The Chronicles of Seth Turner, where Seth, which is myself, shares key people, places, and things that have personally blessed him immensely over the years. Seth continues to honor, over the next few weeks, 300 key friendships throughout his life, individuals who have influenced him the most spiritually. One more time, individuals who influence him the most. All right. Um, folks, we're just going to do that. Just those that influence me the most. There's a lot of people that have influenced me throughout my life, but I don't consider them my friend, and I don't will not consider them having influenced me the most. So I uh, went on to say, tune in, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, July the 2nd, 2023. Seth is the founder of the Fossil Zone Network. On Blog Talk Radio, Seth has been educating everyone in his path about the fact that African Americans are one of the lost tribes of Israel, of course now found. Seth has shared this revelation oftentimes in his travel to the 24th country he has visited. And I may, I may add, um, not all countries was I sharing this revelation, but in many of those countries, was I sharing this revelation? I can tell you this: in every single country I've been in, I thought about it, and I have looked over, uh, but I didn't always feel the need to share this revelation. Um, had to have, I had to have, I had, to, brothers and sisters, I have to feel this revelation a lot of time before I share it. 
Like I have to see people I think are Israelites because uh, that's that's one of the reasons I travel looking for people that's wearing these prophecies on them, the curses, because we know Israel not in the blessings because they're in, in disobedience. So you look for the curses that's going to be upon a nation, not so much an individual, because you can be blessed again if you obey the Most High, you and your household. But we're talking about looking at nations, looking at groups of people, looking for particular uh, certain prophecies. But let me go on with the short description. I want to say Seth began his Seth began with the Bible study he conducted when he would often fly to ORU in Tulsa around 1990. After moving to Cincinnati, Ohio in 1991, you could hear him nearly daily over WCVG gospel radio station sharing tidbits and his many exchanges with Tracy Hunter, who is now Judge Tracy Hunter, of course. After moving back to Texas in 2008, Seth started to blog the Five Soul Network, Seth Blog's uh, Seth's blog have over 151,000 views, again, 151,000 views and hundreds of followers. And he has seen countless people change how they look at the African-American. Many have moved on to share this glorious news of the real Israelites, a.k.a. Jews, especially with those not in Christ, suffering from an identity crisis. One more time. I have seen many moved moved on, many who have moved on to share this glorious news of real Israelites, a.k.a. Jews, to especially those not in Christ, suffering from an identity crisis. And brothers, just, just real quick, let me say this. Many people have, like I say, moved on to share this truth, and they have blogs just like this. Some of them have went and started businesses. You heard of Brother Yoel, who was inspired by this uh, very network. Now, I can't say he started his business based on this network, but you hear himself call himself Yoel the Scribe. That's a Hebrew name. And Brother Yoel said early on, that he learned first about us being Israelites right here on this five suits on network. He said he had heard about it, but he didn't like the other brothers and sisters because they were spewing hate. And I was one of the, he said, according to Brother Yoel, he said I was the only one that was sharing, talking about love and, and, and wasn't full of that hate and that law-driven, um, you know. Well, he didn't say that part. He just said just didn't spew the hate, okay. But let me go on to read the, finish the show description. Boy, I like them side rolls today. Anyway, lastly, I said, while Seth believes that new life inherited in Christ trumps any fleshly identity, all people must know who are the real Jews or Israelites for many reasons, especially African Americans themselves. Otherwise, many may see their plight as inferior behavior rather than prophecy fulfilled. That's our show description, brothers and sisters. And I ended it with Awake Zion, which is Israel, the people, as well as Israel, the land. When you say Zion, you're talking about two different things, the land and the people. Awake Zion. That's why you're here. That's why you're going to hear Twinkie Clark them in a minute. The Clarks are saying, Awake, 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 Zion. Put on thy strength. 
So let's uh, actually play that show description. When we come back, we're going to talk about why we have uh, this name, the Five Sweet Stone Network. And, again, I want to thank every single one of you, brothers and sisters, for tuning in. You didn't have to do this. No, you didn't. So for you to tune into this uh, live broadcast or even you may be tuning in after it goes off, we really appreciate your time, brothers and sisters. We will not waste your time. Father has done so much for me. I'm so grateful for his love and his mercy and his kindness. And so these shows is, is from a place of love and respect for all people. Brother Seth going to share some things that might not sound like that, but don't confuse tough love with love from the most high. But check this out. For those of you this is your first time tuning into the Five Swoops on Network and you don't know quite how to uh, dialogue with us or how to ex- um, become a, 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 a um, contributor to the show, uh, by you know, as far as speaking on the show, just to give you some instructions on that as well as some, a few other things. We'll be right back. Radio. 
and you'll be able to enjoy over 500 episodes on various topics uh, at your leisure. Lastly, we want to remind everybody to follow the show. Follow the show. Please follow us. It gives us a bigger presence on the net. Plus, you benefit by getting a reminder sent to you anytime we do shows. Uh, we get these little reminders sent with all types of details of what's going on on the next show sent to you. Enjoy the rest of the show, and thank you for tuning into the Five Star Soul Network. Hello. my life. Uh, this is a testimony, um, again, where I'm sharing the, of the goodness of the Father by way of friends that have contributed over the years. All right, and we're starting with the early years, but before I jump into that, I had said that I would tell you guys uh, why we have the name the Five Stone Network. Many years ago, I attended a convention in 1987, and uh, the name of the convention was the Believers convention uh, conducted by Kenneth Copeland and uh, again those are for me with the network please be patient I know y'all are used to me going over this but again we have a lot of new listeners and I gotta be fair to them uh, as far as how we got the name I remember asking the father five questions okay not in his order but this was some very important questions I asked the Most High. And the answers he gave me, uh, five topics pretty much come out of the answers he gave me. And y'all remember that song in the background. Remember I talked about that? That's Sam Nix. And that's one of the ministers, I believe, that laid hands on me as a child and said, the Father's going to use you, take your places, et cetera, et cetera. I talked about that last show. If you miss me talking about Sam Nix, uh, uh, one of my old pastors, zoom into uh, last week's show, and you can hear me talk about Sam Nix. He's still around, actually. But um, Sam Nix uh, was an assistant to the one and only A.A. Allen back in the day, the Faith healer, or some people call him faith healer, but just a man of God. A. Allen probably was the biggest so-called. Um, he's up. He's just like Catherine Cumin or Roberts, those types of people. But he was a large, bigger than probably than those ministers combined. Not that that mean anything. Probably should mention size. But anyway, Sam Nix, that's who's playing the background. Brothers and sisters, I asked the father five questions. Uh, what had happened is I had. Um, Experienced racism at, at this convention. Uh, I felt, and not just at this convention, but in my life. And 
let's just go back to 87 where I heard a word. The word that Kenneth Copeland shared was God is getting ready to put his word in the black man like never before. And the first is going to be last and the last is going to be first. And I was one of those that just nearly tore up the convention center just shouting along with about 20,000 white people and a lot of black people as well. But mostly whites, and they we they really rejoice at this word coming from this preacher that God is getting ready to put His word in the black man like never before, and the first is going to be last, and the last is going to be first. That was the word. Um, something happened though between eighty-seven and eighty-eight. I began to see racism in the church, and I didn't know that racism existed in the church. I thought that uh, in the church was a safe place. I didn't wasn't aware of church people being racist. I mean, I knew that people weren't perfect, but I just figured in the church, brothers and sisters, this was a time where people was trying a lot harder in the world. And there just was no such thing. That's what I thought. But between 87 and 88, I saw people that really, really, really loved the Father, but practiced racism. Let me share what I mean. I found out something in 1987 to be a fact, a reality. Um, a lot of time, my brothers and our white so-called white brothers, because I say so-called because, you know, on this network we don't uh, support race uh, strictly based on a color. So we say so-called. So when you hear me say it, just know that's what I'm trying to accomplish. We need to really look at that loosely. But one of the things our brothers and sisters with less pigment, or Africans with less pigment would say, When it's your time to receive that promotion at this particular church, when it's your time to receive anything that was due you, uh, but right now let's focus on just, let's just say promotion. Let's just use that for instance. I would see them say things like, they would gas you up and say, Brother, God has his word in you. Wow. One day you're going to be able to lead this church. One day you're going to be able to lead this I don't know uh, this 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 Bible school. One day you're going to be able to lead this aspect of a ministry or that aspect of the ministry. One day you're going to be put in a position. One day you're going to be, you know, you're going to be the head of this bookstore. Whatever it is <laughs> that the saints was doing at this humongous church called Calvary, and uh, Calvary was one of the, the uh, uh, churches that changed my life. And I definitely probably wouldn't be where I was, where I am today, had it not been for Calvary Cathedral uh, under the leadership of Bob Nichols, who just so happens to be Kenneth Copeland's pastor, by the way. So anyway, I would see, not by so much Bob Nichols as as a lot of people under him, uh, gassing you up when it's time for you to be elevated to that raise or that position. I would see them gas people up and make them feel real good. And I always put it in the future. God is getting ready. One day you're going to be able to. Uh, 
you know, that whole weeping may come in, uh, weeping may endure for the night, joy cometh in the morning, although your blessings is delayed, delayed, delayed. They always put it in the future. And the Father began to share with me, brothers and sisters, that this was a form of racism. It's as nearly as bad as saying, go in the back and sit down, nigga, not right now. I don't know if you say it's a stretch, but I'm serious. If it's delayed, it's delayed. Whether or not they gas you up, you're still not getting what is rightfully yours. And so, of course, that translated into the world. Uh, that's what's happening in the church. If that's happening in the church, again, the, the, the church set the, set the uh, bar for the world. If this is going on in the church, what do you think is going on in the world? So I began to title this or kind of look at it like this was a gospel of delay. I would nickname it gospel of delay. Good news, but delay. <laughs> the gospel of delay is what I would call it. So in Kenneth Copeland again in 1980, uh, first he said in 87, but then in 88 when he repeated that God is getting ready to put his word in the black man like never before in the first going to be last and last going to be first. I didn't rejoice, but I did rejoice also because he said something else. And I want y'all to really listen to this. Kenneth Copeland said in 1988, and by the way, Kenneth Copeland wasn't the only one saying it about the, the most high putting his word in the black man. This was spoken very much, I mean, everywhere you turn, all types of ethnic pastors were saying that, that God is getting ready to put his word in the black man like never before in the first going to be last. And the last is going to be first. So when he said in 88, he added something. He said, I've got something to tell you black people, but I just can't tell you right now. But when I tell you, you are going to shout, you're going to rejoice. Basically, y'all just going to, you know, again, tear up the convention center, so to speak. But I, he went on to say, I just can't tell you right now. Lord hadn't released me to tell you right now. Something along those lines. Well, that was another way of toying with us, I felt. So I felt like this whole gospel of delay of putting it off was, you know, I, I just didn't like how that sounded. And again, in 88, I mean, them white people really rejoiced as well as the black people there. They Everybody rejoiced over this word that was spoken again, not Brother Seth. As a matter of fact, I went home brokenhearted. This is the same convention I met my wife, Arlene, uh, uh, just so happens, this is just something that happened in the background. I also happened to meet Arlene, which would change my life for sure. And I'm uh, um, talking a lot about Arlene doing this whole series. But yes, Arlene attended this convention as well. So I went home, and I remember at some point being grieved by that word. And I prayed this prayer. Father, can I understand, well, first of all, I said, what is what you're using the black man? That was the first question I asked the father. Remember, these five questions resulted in five topics that we talk about more than any other thing on this network, and we call those five topics five smooth stones because, believe me, brothers, and sisters, the revelations from these five topics we talk about the most, 
talk about a lot of things and whatever the Father wants us to talk about, whatever we feel like the Father wants us to talk about, we definitely talk about on this network. But we talk about five things seem like the most to me on this network that we call the Five Smooth Stone Network because they are smooth brothers and sisters. So anyway, I asked the Father, what is what you using the black man? They don't sound right. God is going to use the black man like never before. What happens if a white man seeks you, search for you? You mean you wouldn't use the white man? I said, you mean you wouldn't use the white man? So, I didn't feel right with that word. I said I didn't feel right with that word. So the second question, again, I don't remember the order, but I do remember that was the first one. I said, Father, what's going on? I think this was the second question, actually. But I said, what's going on in our world? I said, I can't trust white male and really white people to tell me the truth. Because these people are, I believe, trying to hold us back. I got the revelation, brothers and sisters, that a lot of our white brothers and sisters, they're born again. Y'all quit playing around with that. They have a stronghold in their life just like some of us do. And their stronghold centers around people of color. So I didn't trust white males or really white people with truth where it relates to so-called black people. And to this very day, I love them, but I don't trust them where black people's future is concerned and they're going to be teaching on it. No, no, brother said don't trust that. It mean I don't it don't mean I won't listen. But I take it with a barrel of salt, not a grain of salt, a barrel of salt because this is a stronghold and it has to do with the way they are raised up in this white supremacist society. And really I've gotten to the point where I don't trust a lot of black people either who are taught by the same system. Because in the on the Five Stone Network side row brothers and sisters Remember, we teach on Tuesdays, which tomorrow night is when we're going to have the show, actually. But normally it's Tuesday. We teach. Anybody can be a white supremacist. It's a philosophy. White skin is just the beneficiary of the philosophy for a season. But anybody can promote thought, speech, and behavior. But anyway... I asked the father, what's going on? I don't trust white males that's heading up this country. I hear that there's something called a secret society. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, I prayed this. I said, I don't trust white males. Give me a little background. Music and see when you don't have co-hosts on, you can do this. When you have co-hosts on, you can't always do this because it's too noisy. But I like I always like background music when, uh, when I would do shows. My first hundred shows, I think I had 
when I was doing just myself. I would love the background music, so y'all should like this. So, I asked the Father, what's going on? What's with the secret societies? What's with this, uh, I think they called it back in the day, New World Order, or One World Government, excuse me. There was just this term that I kept hearing, one world government, one world government. I kept saying, Father, no, it was New World Order, I'm sorry. Because I remember the book now by Eustace Mullins. Uh, 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 you spell that with an E. But it was Eustace Mullins called uh, New World Order. And I remember uh, reading that book and, and hearing it often, very often. This was before George Bush even said, we're going to have a New World Order. This was before him. They was talking about this new world order. I say, Father, what's going on? Because I don't hear it on the ABC, CBS, and the news I listen to. I just didn't hear. And then I say, Father, I hear that there's some wars planned ahead of time. And I just, I just, I just ask the Father, what is going on? I don't think we're hearing. I heard something called secret societies. And I was like, what is that? You know, I, I begin to ask the Father, what's going on? Because I don't trust these people. Uh, that's uh, giving us news to tell us really what's going on. So can I ask them, what's going on? Wouldn't you? I mean, I as I talk about on Tuesday night, there's this quarter trust we have, brothers and sisters, where we trust too much in white people. And when you do that, that's a, that's a form of idolatry. You can never ever be free trusting anyone with your brain really the holy spirit is what who's supposed to be teaching us not uh, uh just this american system which is swimming in white supremacy so if all you do is get information from the news network and you just get the formal education that america offers you're practicing white supremacy in one way or the other because that's what the american system is all about some of y'all know what i'm talking about because you listen to the shows on tuesdays but anyway i went on to ask the father like I said, what is going on? That was the second question. And then I asked him, could I understand the book of Revelations? Can I understand the book of Revelation? Why do I have to wait on these white males to explain to me what the book of Revelations is? Yeah, I did. I sure did ask the Father that. Wouldn't you? I mean, if your trust uh, was violated, if, you're, if, if you if you <laughs> if you was violated by these people you recognize they was lying to you and trying to hide and the father revealed y'all I can't go into details now but the father showed me racism in church like in every corner of the church I mean just these people have a stronghold now I'm saying these people today uh, that's how I felt back in the day I felt I was saying would say these people but I've come to realize it's not just those people it's all of us it's a system but whites, so-called whites, do benefit, and it is harder for them to let it go because of these, this white privilege. Uh, uh, it's harder for them to let it go, but all of us are buying into it, even by saying the simple... Let me show you what I mean by By simply saying the word or the term white people, black people, you're helping create and promote a lie. It's man-made, folks. It's a social construct. The Father never grew people based upon color. The Israelites never grew people based on color. The early Babylonians never grew, grew people based on a color. The early Persians never grew people based on color. Nobody prior to the 
what was it, 1600s, grew people based on color. It's a very new concept that has got the world seeing everybody through a fog. We're like under this spell. None of us can realize our true potential with this lie, this deception, this idolatry. Next question, again, I asked the Father, the book of Revelation. Yes, we do not cipher the book of Revelation through white males. We look at the scripture from a Hebrew-Israelite perspective, which brings me to my next question I brought I, I brought to the Father, and that was, were there any blacks, so-called blacks, is what I would call them back then, I asked the Father, were there any blacks in the Bible? I said these words. I remember me saying them. Father, I don't care. Well, actually, I don't remember exact words, but something to the effect of, Father, I don't care what color Christ is. Right now, I think he is a white man. I did say that, actually. I said, I don't care what color he is, but were there anybody in the Bible that looked like me? I'm hearing Christ was a black man. Now, at that time, I think I had a Bible with Christ, all types of pictures, white. My mama had all kinds of pictures, white. Our church had all types of pictures of a white Jesus. We had no problem. I said, we had no problem. I said, we have no problem with it. So I want you to hear my heart. This is what birthed the name, the Five Smooth Stone Network. So to my friends that are tuning in, you haven't heard from me in a while, you saw that and you wondered, I'm going to be calling your name or who name, what names will I be calling out because maybe you may know me. Please hear how this Five Smooth Stone ministry was birthed, the name at least. Brothers and sisters, I asked the Father, were there blacks in the Bible? I thought actually the Father would show me Whites in the Bible, blacks in the Bible, Hispanics in the Bible. And that way, when I'm talking to all these various people, I could share with them how they have a part in this pie, so to speak. They have a slice of the pie, and they're here in the scriptures over here, and, and uh, Chinese, you're over here. And I thought I was going to be able to really divide up the world as I share. That's what I actually thought. Brothers and sisters, sometimes I wish that's what he would have gave me, to be honest with you. So I will be looked, so I will be accepted more. Because the Father later would reveal to me that whole book is full of people of color. I didn't, I'm going to be honest with y'all. Can I be honest? Sometimes I like that because it's the truth and it's the most high. You have to accept what he say. But sometimes I wonder if I would, splitting up like the pie I thought I was going to get the different pieces and you know where I can give everybody here's where you're at in the Bible and here's where you're at in the Bible sometimes I wish that that was the case because when I say what I say what I feel the Father is saying I am rejected in some circles some people love the most high and don't care though and the last question was I do remember this being last can I see the world. I prayed that prayer, brothers and sisters. And to be honest, I prayed that prayer in uh, the Believers Convention. I think it's normally in August. I think maybe September. But anyway, I prayed that prayer. November, I was hired by American Airlines. 
I didn't think that I would see the world through an airline. I thought the most I would make me rich or something. I just begin to fly all over the world. I'm serious. I didn't. I never. I didn't think it was gonna be through an airline. Let me sip a little bit of this coffee. So, for those of you that say, brother Seth, some of your messages sound very um, controversial. You may thought, brother, I may hate. I want you to listen to what is about to go down. This is what the Father gave me for answers to those five questions. These answers led to... These questions that the Father answered, those answers were translated to five topics. Number one, the Father's not using the black man because he's black. Father, don't work with people based on a social construct by some white man possessed of the devil where they create and divide the people based upon the tone of skin. So he's not using black men because they're black. But what those preachers and prophets were saying is partially true. He is going to be using people of color, but it's not because they're people of color. It's because of what he's doing in these latter times. A lot of our white males, because of the white supremacy in them and the fact that they benefit from it, because we all practice white supremacy, but we all don't benefit from it. Those that benefit from it, it's going to be a stronghold to preach what the Father is going to be saying in these latter times, such as what's really happening in our world. They're not going to tell it on the West. They're not going to expose white supremacy and how we, America's going into all these countries and re- raping and, and destabilizing governments and have their hands in all the elections, major elections that is, and, and have military bases all over the world and secret societies. They're not going to expose white supremacy. And they darn sure they ain't going to be talking about the Bible being people of color, even though they know that's the truth. Because they have a weakness. They struggle, my brothers and sisters with white supremacy because they benefit from it. So, I then want to ask the Father what's going on. Remember, I asked the Father what is going on. And that, of course, that answer with the black man is bigger than that. Uh, I'll I'll hit that a little harder. Another reason uh, a lot of... uh, uh, you see a lot of black pastors popping up out of the woodwork now. You see a lot of whites now following black men. It's because these black people are just obeying the father. They was obeying the father when he wasn't dealing, uh, when he wasn't revealing the fact that uh, uh, the Israelites are dark-skinned people or who the Jews really are or he are exposing America's uh, uh, dark secrets. These black ministers, so-called black ministers, was preaching that. I mean, uh, uh, they was uh, preaching truth before that so of course they're going to preach this new revelation of America's uh, dirty laundry and white supremacy so these ministers just preaching what the father tell them that's why it's going to look like the father's only using them he's not only using them 
He's using whoever say yes to them. And some of those black churches, might I add, so-called black churches. Y'all, when I say black churches, I mean so-called, okay? But a lot of these so-called churches or people of color, they're in the bed too much with these white ministries. They're following, they're parroting a lot of these white movements, and that's why they're fighting a lot of this black Israelites and, and, and the Father revealing who the Israelites are and the Father revealing some of this nakedness uh, exposing uh, uh, America uh, and exposing just just the pure evil that this country stands for, even from its origin. A lot of pastors is not going to want to talk about that because their white brothers and sisters aren't talking about it. So because they're in the bed with them instead of with the Holy Spirit, they're not going to talk about it either. So that's what we're getting back. We're getting a lot of pushback from a lot of our so-called uh, brothers and sisters that happen to have pe- that happen to be people of color. All right? And then for those white churches that say, I'm going to follow the Father and I'm going to tell the truth, you all have seen them too on the Internet and, and on various social networks uh, just saying the very same thing Brother Seth and the Five Swiss Stone Network have been saying. We ain't invented nothing. So a lot of white ministries have been on the forefront saying we are the people of the Bible and what the Father is going to do with us and what how America is going to fall and how America is Babylon. Again, we ask for revelations by revelations, about the book of Revelation. And we believe that America is that whore that straddles the waters that made the nations drunk with her wine. We're going to get into the chronology of Seth Turner of the 300 friends here, but i got to do this. We do this every 10 shows, so just bear with me, brothers and sisters. I hope you're being blessed by this information because, uh, again, we don't talk about it that often on the show. So we asked about the book of Revelation. I just hit that. Uh, can I understand the book of Revelation? The Father, of course, said yes, and he began to share with me and Brother Elishua and Brother John and, and all types of people uh, uh, well, hold on, hold on, let me back up. I said that wrong. He began to show me the book of Revelation. Then I will later in the future hook up with other others that had knowledge as well. So, yes, we do not have to wait on Hal Lindsey and Pat Robinson. I'm not trying to say these people are false prophets. I just feel like I don't trust them where so-called people of color are concerned in eschatology. I don't do it. Is there blacks in the Bible? I kind of hit that already. It's not just blacks in the Bible. The Bible is black, and where white skin is in the Bible, it is not in a good position. It's presented as a recessive trait. It's presented as what we call today vitiligo albinism. And back in biblical times, number one, these were all the same people, all human beings, so to speak. I know we broke up in different tribes and become Israelites, Philistine, all the different nations. But I'm just saying, in biblical times, back then, white skin was frowned upon, brothers and sisters, because people were smitten by prophets with whiteness. The truth is often stranger than fiction. I said the truth. It's often stranger than fiction. You'd be better off just by reading fiction. The truth 
this often stranger than fiction. White skin in biblical times was not viewed as beautiful. I said it wasn't viewed as beautiful. I'm not trying to say white people today are not beautiful. That's not what I'm saying. I'm trying to right the wrong of white supremacy that have painted the whole world a lie. Beauty is whatever the Father says beauty. And I do believe whites are beautiful. I do believe that. But I believe that the early people of the earth were dark-skinned people. And when we sin, we begin to grow too tall. We begin to grow too short. We begin Our women begin to not have children. We begin to forget things, memory. All types of things happen to the body. And oh, by the way, we begin to lose pigmentation. I don't think it's us versus them. I think we are white people. They are us. So Brother Seth can never, ever hate white people. Else he be hating himself. Get another sip of that coffee. And you know, I didn't do this, and I've been doing this lately. I know it's a little late, but I want to pass out Sorry about that. I want to open with a word of prayer after I finish this up here. I forgot to do that, brothers and sisters. Please forgive me. But yes, the Bible, the Father showed me. Uh, let's do it. Let's go ahead and open a word of prayer now. I'm just, that's the new thing. And y'all just forgive me. I know I'm a little bit off, but let's open with that word of prayer, okay? Be right back. We'll finish up. Father in prayer Let's ask his blessings upon this broadcast And if you agree with me As I pray And as I petition the highest court Kingdom of the most high God God of Israel If you agree Simply say amen under your breath So be it Father I just want to lift up this show Tonight Father I ask that you would by your Holy Spirit, your Ruach HaKadosh. By your Spirit, Father, speak through the co-host, or the host, or guest, or whoever's going to be speaking to the people, or even through the callers, Father. Father, we ask that you would speak to us through your Word. Father, let us be agents of change tonight, not just lifting up the problem, whatever we're going to be discussing, or the enemy, whoever the enemy is. But Father, we ask that on this show, that you be lifted up. While we may examine the problem, discuss the problem, discuss the challenges, discuss the heartache, the pain, we just ask that you be lifted up. As the as a solution, as as a song play in the background, Waymaker, we ask that you be revealed tonight on this broadcast broadcast as the Waymaker. 
Father, we as a people petition your court, your presence, asking for change in our world, in our home, in our hearts. Father, let us not just be another group of people just talking for the sake of talking vain conversation. We ask that you would speak the wisdom that only you can give. You said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of you who give it to all men liberally and abraded not. Father, in your son's name, we ask that you will reveal to us your heart in the matters spoken tonight. And Father, we ask a special blessing upon the listeners that if they're suffering with pain, discomfort in their bodies where they can't hear you, we ask that you will rebuke and we rebuke the enemy in Christ's name. Spirit of sickness and infirmity, and we even speak to bodies and command these bodies receive peace. These bodies will receive healing in Yeshua's name, in Jesus' name. All these things we ask as a body on this broadcast tonight. Amen. And if you agree with that, simply say amen under your breath, brothers and sisters. That's all it takes. Just say amen. Say it out loud in the natural realm. Amen. I agree. No, it'd be so. Power of agreement is real. Don't take it lightly, brothers and sisters. We have power. If there is a God, and we know there is, and his word is true, and we know it is, he has said that when we agree upon a thing, it will be so. Please agree with me on that prayer. We're not playing tonight. I'm very serious. But just finishing up really briefly, uh, I asked the Father whether there are blacks in the Bible. Again, I wasn't trying to make Jesus black or anything like that. I just simply wanted to know was people that look like me in the Bible because I was hearing things like the Messiah was black. And I just thought the Father would just show some dark-skinned people over in the corner of the Bible where I can always tell black people, oh, yeah, we in there. I was not ready for the Father to reveal to me about white skin in the Bible and dark skin and melanin, all the things he would later in the years reveal to me, what melanin is, how it's nothing more than earth, and that to not have this earth is a punishment. And we are so ignorant, and we're so reversed, we're so deceived, we look at it the complete opposite way. Melanin is pretty much earth. And, of course, you know, nobody want to address the whiteness that pop out of animals, the whiteness that pop out of insects, the whiteness that pop out of plants. How about this? The whiteness that pop out of anything living. Nobody want to address that. You can't find it hardly talked about nowhere. You think that's by accident? No, the earth is in a fallen state in all life eventually bring forth this life with no glory. 
until white supremacy, which reversed everything. And then the, I asked the question, can I see the world? Well, that didn't translate into a topic. Of course, the father said, yes, I could. So what are the topics, brothers and sisters? You asked. The topics are, who are the Israelites? Or the question about Hebrew Israelites. That's something we talk about the most. Another thing we talk about the most is five topics. One world government. I asked the father what's going on. We talk about the one world government uh, a lot on the show. Not like we used to, but we do hit it as far as what are these people doing? What is what is their what is the what is the primary goal of the one world government? And it's to duplicate the kingdom of God. It's to mimic what the Father's doing with his kingdom. It's it's the only thing on the earth that rivals the kingdom of God. And one of the doctrines of this new world order is white supremacy. But we gotta go on for time's sake. Another revelation we talk about is white supremacy. But we don't talk about white supremacy the way most of y'all hear about it because we believe it's a global thing. Everybody's participating in it, even in saying white and black. We're helping form this image. The white, the uh, so-called one world government is successful under the leadership of Satan and dividing and conquering our planet with this philosophy. But it's bigger than white supremacy. I mean, it's other uh, 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 evils outside of white supremacy, brothers and sisters. There's also sexism. There's also uh, ungodly uh, uh, patronism. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, there's people that are Divided by country, people are divided by religion. That's a big one, brothers and sisters. That's a big one, brothers and sisters. I said that's a big one, brothers and sisters. So, for sure, we talk about white supremacy. And then we talk about something called leprosy. This is where I talk about what we just kind of hit a little bit, uh, the revelation of white skin, what it truly is when you're looking at white skin. It is an African having, uh, uh, when you're looking at white skin, of course, white people are not uh, albinos because they're too mixed with dark skin. But when you're looking at albinism, that is the original form of a black man depleted or 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 or, or Resulting from uh, either his parents uh, uh, with white skin or maybe he had dark skin or the dark skin is turning. All of this has to do with leprosy, brothers and sisters. And I'll just say this one little thing because I know some of y'all are tripping right now on me for saying that. You're ready to hang up. So let me just give you just something to think about that will keep you on the line chewing on that. The Bible says in Leviticus 13, which is the handbook on leprosy, I'm going to say this real quick. The kinds of things we talk about on the Five Swiss Network were related to leprosy. And I have to say this about leprosy because it's so offensive. But the Bible says, 
and I'm actually going to stop the music for this one. Bible says, when a man shall have in his skin a rising, a scab, or a bright spot, any one of those three things, they was to go to the priest to be examined to see if they have what the Bible called leprosy. Some of y'all think the rising is leprosy. The scab is leprosy. And that's what your pastor teach, which is error. The rising and the scab was examined because when they leave the body, they leave a whiteness. Just like today when you have sores and they leave your body, it creates a whiteness. That's all they was looking at. The rising nor the scab is the leprosy. If that's the case, why does it say this? If any man have a rising, the scab, or even a bright spot, or even a bright spot, or even a bright spot. They was looking at rising and scab because of the bright spot, but even if you have a bright spot itself, why are people going to the priest and they have a bright spot if they are the color of the bright spot? That's number one. Chew on that. Verse 13 in Leviticus 13 says, whatever this is, some of y'all just know it's sores. Fine, I'm not going to argue with you. But whatever it is, the Bible says when it's covered your body, when it's spreading and spreading and spreading and cover your whole body, then are you accepted or clean? Clean in Bible days, some of you scholars out there, you know clean mean accepted. Just like when a Israelite look at a dead person, the Bible said he became unclean or she became unclean if she saw a dead person. Had nothing to do with soap and water. Clean just mean accepted. Unclean mean unaccepted. Have nothing to do with soap and water. Well, Bible says when you're when all this this black flesh that's turning white, when it's all white, then are you clean? That's what I believe it's saying. You think it's sores? How much sense would it be to have one sore? Two swords, three swords, and then we have 500 swords. That's when you're good and you can go among the people. That can't be. So, again, brothers and sisters, those are the five topics. Well, actually, I'm forgetting one, which is the most important one. I'm moving too fast now. I'm trying to get into this. The Chronicles of Seth Turner. Talk about my 300 friends. But the last stone. A topic, because we're talking about five topics, five smooth stones, five smooth topics. The last one is the kingdom of God. I've been saying that since 2011. The kingdom of God is the last stone, and it is what we talk about the most. This kingdom, the leader of the kingdom, this person he put in charge of his kingdom, of course, the person that runs the kingdom is the father. He put the son in charge of this kingdom. 
He said, all heaven and earth, I give you power. Bible says the heavens must receive him, the son, until the times of restitution. So we talk about this kingdom, how the Father has given all power and authority to this other person that we call Jesus or Yeshua or Yahawashah or Emmanuel, Mary's baby, <laughs> Water Walker. So we talk about this king. We talk about his rules, his laws. We argue sometimes trying to see the proper perspective on what he is wanting us to do in the earth. We talk about the greatness of this kingdom. We talk about how this kingdom is going to crush other governments on this show. We constantly talk about this king, his leader, who is going to become subdued after everything is restored. Yes, we talk about the kingdom of God right here on the Five Sisters Network. Okay, brothers and sisters, I want to start off by giving you all the reason why I'm doing this show. And I, I'm some of you, I think you was tickled by that whole, uh, you were blessed by that, wasn't you, if you heard it for the first time. If you had never, if you heard it before, you probably was bored. I apologize, but, y'all, we got new people. We got to just do that, okay? So the purpose of this uh these chronicles is just to, number one, remind me of what the Father has done for me. You say, that's, brother, that's pretty selfish, Brother Seth. Not really, because I know if I do a blog, you're going to be blessed as well. So if it's truly the Most High, it is truly the Most High. I mean, truly His Spirit, and if I truly had encounters with, be it the Holy Spirit or angels or people of inspired of the Holy Spirit, uh, if this would really happen, it's going to bless you. I had somebody say, well, why would you do a show about yourself? Because I'm kingdom property. Just because I don't always walk in that authority, that don't mean the most high ain't getting usage out of my life. Why not, Brother Seth? Why not you? You can testify, and while I'm at it, those of you on the phone lines, uh, if you have any questions or comments, press 1 and we'll bring you on, not a problem. If you listen to the show online and you want to get in on the action, call the number right there on that promo, 914-205-5590. I'm not going to solicit callers tonight. If you want to get involved, just press 1. I'm not going to probably say it again the whole show because really and truly I have a lot to share. All right, these, these these shows really probably shouldn't take any calls, to be honest with you. But if you just got to say something to me or ask a question, make a comment, you could do so. Again, call that number, 914-205-5590. Brothers and sisters, again, the purpose is to uplift the Most High as far as what he's done in my life. And hopefully that will uplift me because I am in sort of a funk, as some people call it. Uh, I mean, it valleys uh, somewhat. Going through some things, some personal things in my life that's really challenging. Uh, it's probably one of the most challenging times in my life, if I would just be honest. And so what what did Brother Seth do? When I feel knocked down or when I feel like I'm not firing on all cylinders, 
uh, I talk about the goodness of the Father. I remember, as David said, he encouraged himself, so does Brother Seth, by way of doing blogs where I talk about things for sure. Times I know the Father showed up in my life. Times I know the Father protected me. Times I know the Father gave me a word. Times I that brought me and lifted me out of the dust in times past. And when we do this, when we just take a break from battle, we retreat a little bit and just go off and think about the goodness of the Father, you know what it does. I don't have to, I don't have to tell you. So Brother Seth is number one in encouraging himself and inviting you to the party. And I want to definitely talk about some people that was dear to me. Some of them are relatives, and but yet they were friends. So the person I should have started out with was not my mother. It should have been my grandmother. And so I want to uh, add to some of the things I did last week and just pick right up. All right, so let's talk about Azalee Douglas Booker. Azalee married Caleb Booker. I didn't know Caleb Booker. He was passed by the time I was. Uh, but Azalee Douglas Booker, my big mama, I remember her. I know everybody want to say, oh, that's your big mama. You can't use her. It's not your friend, blah, 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 blah. Anybody that contributed to my formation is going to be mentioned on this show if I can remember them. And Azalee, Big Mama, definitely in her handling of me and her love for me. My family members can be very critical. They're very brutal at times. They're very bold, very loud. I come from a very loud family. And I remember Azalee was not like that. That may shock my wife, who I think is listening to others. But Azalee wasn't loud. I don't remember her being loud. I'm not trying to just make her out to be something she's not. She just wasn't loud. But she had girls that was. So, and of course, she had uh, Uncle Bud and Uncle Dwight. And I don't remember them being loud, actually. But the girls, all the girls seemed to, uh, not so much loud as speak their mind and, you know, and sometimes we do it loudly. <laughs> Ain't gonna lie. But I remember Big Mama taking us to church, brothers and sisters. I remember wearing this little hat that a lot of Methodist people wear. And uh, I remember her demeanor, her seriousness about us going to church. Now keep in mind, brothers and sisters, it's AME back in the day on the north side. Wesley Chapel, Amy Church. I remember Big Mama sitting there on the, I think she was sitting on the right side of the church, if I remember right. And I remember her just taking us. This is before, I'm not going to say before my mother took us, but I remember we would go over to Big Mama, spend a night some days. If it was a Saturday night, we was going to, to Wesley Chapel on Sunday. And I remember her hanging out close like my mother used to do and singing. I remember her kind of singing, and I just thank the Father for those memories. I'm not going to go too much in the answer. There's a whole lot of things I can say about Big Mama. That was the thing that stick out the most that I think inspired me the most was her 
demeanor, uh, her uh, calmness, her her uh, love for us as 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 children. I mean, because some grandparents, it's not loving. I'm just gonna be honest. Some grandparents aren't. Uh, they're very, y'all know. Don't let me go in that road. But my grandmother was very loving towards us. A lot of time, my aunts and uncles even was a little brutal, and she would always take our side. And um, I remember her judging us for living in the projects. I remember her. You said, "Well, how does this? How does this?" Uh, you said, "Brother, you're gonna be sharing people that was uh, that really was a blessing to you spiritually, folks. If your mother, mother." Love you unconditionally Took you to church You saw her mannerisms uh, And just on the way to church Her singing All these things inspired us She could have been taking us to a club Or to to play bingo Or to to the mall Or to the lake Asley Introduced us to Wesley Chapel Which introduced us to or I shouldn't say introduced us because we was already going to church, but we just saw another version of people worshiping outside of our church. So, Azalee, I have to pay homage to her. Uh, Red made she rest in heaven. Big Mama was something, y'all. Azalee raised some powerful women and men and was a great person on that north side. Have to pay homage to her I didn't talk about my brothers and sisters That much And again there's more to say about Azalee But I'm just trying to give y'all The little short version Okay I remember one time I shot my brother with a BB gun And how she handled that Again there's a lot of stories But I'm trying to tell y'all the most influential things How she handled me I don't think I ever told my wife this But I shot Mars with a BB gun Because it did something to me and how she looked at me and talked to me, I'll never forget it. My mother would have beat the fool out of me. As I didn't do that, it's how she handled me and how she talked to me that I remember the love. Y'all, I'm serious. That influenced me. That was my mother's mother. So, anyway, I want to start with Donna, my oldest. Donna, what have Donna done to inspire me spiritually? Donna changed. Donna was a terror when I was little. I ain't gonna lie. She really was. Donna was a source of a lot of my pain as a child. And so when she went out to the military, of course we got bigger at some point. We she didn't always terrorize. I'm talking about when I was really little, like four and five and six. But later on we got bigger and of course that changed. She began to be more nicer to us, but I think what inspired me mostly spiritually about Donna is how she would worship the Father at church. Donna was one of those that could sing very, very well. Many people feel like she missed her calling. She should be on the road. She should be uh, a Yolanda Adams or Shirley Caesar or something like that because Donna could sing far better than probably anybody at our church. Tanya could sing as well, but Donna was something to see. She had that voice that carried. She had a tune. And I think the best song that uh, that Donna really ever sung was uh, uh, Packing Up. I mean, excuse me, um, Stretch Out. 
I think that was Donna's song. I know she sung Packing Up too, but she's just sang a song called Stretch Out. And that was Donna's best song. And she, nobody could sing that song like she could. And I'm not just hyping up, but I used to love to watch Donna worship the Father uh, uh, with that song. Now, let's be honest. A song is probably not all that to some of y'all. Y'all may be saying, oh, brother, I don't say how that could influence you. Again, it's how you worship the Father, how she put, how she got into it. At first, she didn't want to sing. Always, they have to make her sing. But I'm going to tell you something, Donna did. She probably will, will be shocked to hear this, and that is when she used to date Dan. Donna and Dan, they used to be a co-host on the Five Soulstone Network, used to date a long time ago. Now, y'all listen to me. My sister Donna had a fire that was inquensible when she dated Dan. They loved God. These was two young people that really worshipped the Father. And uh, I remember, well, I'm not going to go into that, but just put it like this. I saw Donna witnessing to people. I saw Donna praying for people. I saw Donna uh, uh, trying to win people to the Lord. And some people she did win to the Lord. I saw Donna influence her friends. And uh, uh, we need to talk more about that with Donna. Uh, maybe one time she come on the show, because she comes on every once in a while. We'll talk about that, because Donna had a fire as a young person. And uh see a little bit of uh, Lydia right now acting like that. You know, God is really using my daughter Lydia. And uh, the Most High is doing the work in Lydia. And I, I remember Donna being used like that back when she dated Dan. Dan had the same kind of fire and you couldn't tell them nothing. They was gonna tell you about the Lord, and they was going they was living right, and they was they was they was a little couple, but they was doing the right thing, and and uh, so it was something. So that 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 was something that inspired me early on. Was my sister Donna? We'll move on to Mars again. What have uh, all people that have been parted to me the most? Well, my best friend in the whole world was Morris early on. I'm talking about from birth to probably middle school. It was Morris until I started getting other friends. It was Morris. Like I said last show, Morris had seen an angel, uh, brothers and sisters, and, and this was something that was a big, big, big deal in our family because we know Morris wasn't a liar. It, he just wasn't those, one of those kids that would lie. He came and, and talked to mom. He was startled. I can still see him saying, he's seen an angel, he's seen an angel. And Mama was like, well, trying to get him to explain. He, and Mars, again, I know Mars. That's not one of his weaknesses, lying or fabricating or seeing things. that He never saw nothing like that before, I don't think. But Mars was, we was on the upstairs, and he remembered, he was looking outside, and he saw this, this being on our porch, and it just flew away. And it, it trauma, not traumatized him in a bad way, traumatized him in a good way. You couldn't, you can't, you can't, you probably don't want to talk to you about it today, to be honest with you, because that really inspired Myers early on. And really me too, because I knew he wasn't lying. And so keep in mind, we was taught about angels and we was taught about miracles and taught about demons. Somebody said, oh, he was just a little kid, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you know how the father uses uh, uh, children all the time. And uh, the Bible does say that the angels have been uh, put on our earth, sent to our earth to be ministers of those, be heirs of salvation. So 
Mama was a praying woman, y'all. I know we live in the project, blah, 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 but, you know, sometimes those humble beginnings can can really put you in a place that you're more accessible to the Father because, like I said last week, uh, one thing about the projects, there was no big eyes and little use because we was all on the same level. And I think the Father can use us when we're humble. Rich people can be humble. Yes, they can. Yes, they can be. There are some people that the riches don't have them. Yes, there are. But for the most part, that is not the case. And I think the Father can do a bigger work, areas where people are humble by their beginning than uh, than people that are, are haughty by their uh, by their uh, assets, so uh, their wealth. So per- poverty is a curse. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again this week. Poverty is a curse. I don't ever want to glamorize what is a what the Bible deems a curse. To not have enough and to operate in lack is a curse. But brothers and sisters, in poverty, the Bible talks about the poor. And uh, I do think it's not that the poor is of poverty is of God. It's not that poverty is of God. It's just that when humans go through that, oftentimes they are humble. And the Father can use those people once they come into his word, his knowledge of his word, okay? So, again, Mars was a major inspiration over the years. You know, we we, we worship God. I remember as boys, I can still remember us clapping at Reverend Hollis Church, really into praising God. Mama and them taught us early, early on. We're talking about when we were four and five. We didn't know nothing about nothing but church and praising God. And, I mean, we had the little grease on our head. Mama had us always sharp, and she had us all greased up. And, and of course, not to mention when you get there, they put blessed oil on you. We were just some little shiny boys, and we loved the Father. And and that was our, my earliest, earliest memory is clapping on beat uh, over, over about the third row at Reverend Holland's church up there at the front where the preaching was going on and the drums and the guitar, and we just singing and we just thought that was the life. <laughs> we did. But that inspired me. That formed me, brothers and sisters. And then later on, we going on to uh, Prayer Faith Temple. Mars was the drummer uh, after uh, the founder of the uh, Prayer Faith Temple. His son, Steve, taught Mars how to play the drums. Mars was the drummer, became the drummer for several groups around the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But I would see him up there always in the pulpit uh, playing the drums. And you don't think that inspired me uh, or influenced me some kind of way over the years to watch Mars playing uh, choirs and, and so forth. So anyway, there's a lot of things Mars done over the years. Yes, the father, I've literally spoke to him sometime as well. And our little quiet time as little boys, he would say little things to me and so forth uh, in spite of the father sometime. Again, we're just talking about what, my friends and Mars was a friend. Donna, although she was my sister, was a friend. Asley, although she was my grandmother, was a friend. These are, again, inspirational things that inspired me the most. What the most? Brother Seth, I said this to you too. Yeah, but I'm talking about people that inspired me the most. And we're going to work our way up to 2023. Right now, we're probably around 1966 or 1967. Okay, we early, early on, brothers and sisters, okay? 
and I talked about the Holiness Church led by Reverend Holland, and uh, we went there for a while, and then we went to, over to Prayer Temple, which was the first integrated church in Fort Worth. I talked about that last week. So Brother Seth starts kindergarten, and I remember Miss Williams was one of my teachers there. Now, what inspired me about Miss Williams? My kindergarten teacher was influenced by my mother. I'm pretty sure Mama was always preaching, and I'm pretty sure she inspired my kindergarten teacher to visit Prayer Faith Temple. Yes, I can see it now. I remember it now. And Miss Williams joined Prayer Faith and started going. So my kindergarten teacher actually joined Prayer Faith Temple. And I can see Miss Williams sitting on the right side of the church, and I had to be every bit of seven years old. Kindergarten, brothers and sisters. I remember her, though. I see her right now in my mind. My first grade teacher, Miss Cox, uh, how she inspired me. I was eight years old, about eight or seven. Well, Miss Cox loved me. This is my early, early, early formation as a young boy. And Miss Cox thought I was so funny. She really loved her some Seth. And she would always talk with my mother, was always up at the school embarrassing us. Um, all of my teachers knew my mother, and my mother knew all my teachers. Like if mom was alive today and I say Miss Cox, she would know who Miss Cox is. If I say my second grade teacher, Miss Matt, she would remember Miss Mac, Miss Matt. Uh, if I remember my, my third grade teacher, uh, Miss, um, hold on a second. My third grade teacher was Miss Guyton. Mama would remember Miss Guyton, white lady. Mama would remember Miss Bean. Anyway, what did Miss Cox do? Inspirational. Uh, anybody in the early part of my life is going to have the most influence because this is when Brother Seth wasn't confident uh, as a young boy, questioning everything about me. Uh, I guess the formation years, brothers and sisters, is very delicate. Uh, you can, you can it, they can make you or break it. But Miss Cox believed in me. She talked to Mama. She she talked about how uh, a funny kid I was. Uh, I don't remember her complaining about me, and so that pretty much formed me as a person, early young, a young early person. Okay. Then on to Miss Matt. Uh, this is another lady that spoke highly of me to my mother. Uh, I remember good things about my uh, second grade teacher, and I thank God for Miss Matt. Uh, Mama used to come to the school and have our uh, birthday parties in my second grade, in all my grades. Every one of these teachers, Mama would come up to school. And I'm not going to name all the teachers, but I'm just going to say this put a general blanket, and then we're going to move on past elementary. All of the teachers, and again, for my friends that are listening that may have went to Carver, I will just uh, briefly name these people. And only, you know well, you know why I'm able to name the names? Which definitely inspired me spiritually. Do you know why I'm able to name the names? Do you know, do you know, do you know? Because, brothers and sisters, my mother made me remember the names by the memories of her being up at the school and having a relationship with these people. 
That's why I remember the names. You remember all your teachers? Yes, because of Mama. I'm very, very, very serious, brothers and sisters. It's because of Mama. So Mom been to school telling Miss Matt, now if Seth acts up, you let me know. And they would get to talk about, you know, her favorite topic. She's always trying to be the typical about the Lord. And it's the true story, y'all. I kid you not. I was embarrassed by my mother. She was always uh, loud, not obnoxiously loud. Just she was just always not as quiet as the other parents. And I was embarrassed by her. I'm just gonna be honest with y'all. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. If I offend my my, my uh, siblings, just being honest, Mama would whip us wherever we act up. And so she comes to the school. All of my friends to this very day remember what I'm saying. They remember probably Miss Matt. Uh, and they probably remember everything I'm saying pretty much because it was a big deal to have your parent, anybody's parent, come to the school. So my parent, my mother would come up there with these cakes on birthday. How does this, Brother Seth, you said you have a show that's talking about spirituality. Now listen. Y'all don't think this inspired me spiritually? Mom will come up to the classroom, and she will learn a lot of the students by her interacting with them with this cake and ice cream. The teachers would allow, and sometimes this was at uh, lunchtime, we would have our lunch. There would, Mama would come up with the cake, and they would, she would have the classes sing happy birthday to me. Miss Matt and Miss Cox and all these various teachers, Miss Guide and Miss Bean and Miss... Uh, Russell, all these teachers would welcome Mama and this big cake and this ice cream she provided for all the kids. And so she would be up there while they're eating the cake, talking to the teachers. Not always about the Lord, sometimes about the students. But that's why I remember every one of these teachers. You don't think that influenced me spiritually? My mother, known for that. Preaching, ice cream, cake, and beating us if we got, not, I shouldn't say beating us, but whipping us if we got out of line right there in the classroom. All of my friends remember that. To this day, if I see them, sometimes they joke about that. I remember your mom bringing an ice cream cake up there. So that influenced me greatly, brothers and sisters. So I want to uh, speak of some other people that had part in that, and that is the Ross. And the fourth family, Mama's best friend was a lady by the name of uh, Miss Ross, uh, William Ford and Daryl Ford. And and I uh, just want to shout out to pretty much their mother, uh, not so much the rest of them because we're talking about, again, they, they, they we did things along the, uh, our life. But I want to talk about what inspired me the most, and it was their mother, Miss Ross. Now, Miss Ross was something to see because she was a short lady and she had some serious ballers in her family. And a lot of y'all are listening from probably all over the country, and really the world when you talk about blogs, are great, you know, telling who's listening. But we have a school in Fort Worth by the name of I.M. Terrell that is known all across the country 
some people feel like it was shut down because it was too dominant in academia as well as sports. Terrell was the model. We have yet to produce a school like I am Terrell within the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I do mean Dallas as well. Because Terrell won all types of championships. And then it was very good with all of the fact, uh, the excuse me, uh, the various um, academia uh, type stuff. They was good at chorus. They was good at math. They was good at all types of stuff. Just ask anybody about I am sure back in the day. And again, a lot of people feel like when it was time to segregate, when they had desegregation, uh, a lot of people feel like they chose shut Terrell, uh, uh, shut Terrell down because a lot of whites didn't want to come over to Terrell. Uh, and uh, it just wasn't fair how Terrell was dealt uh, doing that uh, that law where we couldn't have segregated schools anymore. But anyway, they had the best of the best teachers because, you know, our black teachers back then couldn't go to the white schools, and so they was educated greatly. Some of these, was, some of these teachers was educated uh, since some of y'all think the white colleges are better a lot of these teachers was educated there, but they was educated greatly, even in the black colleges. They was they was the top, very good teachers. And so what happened is, when they got out of school, they couldn't go teach at the white universities, uh, or which would have today would have grabbed them up, you know. But this was back in the day when we were still segregated. So these teachers were sharp, and uh, you couldn't come to dress any old kind of way. You had to. Uh, walk a certain way. They was very, very uh, high on how to carry yourself, being ladylike, etiquette, and we have never seen nothing like Turl and the uh, professionalism that that they put out in this Fort Worth area. Okay, so anyway, I got off didn't I? <laughs> Boy, it's gonna be a long show. I got to. They focus here, but Miss Ross had a son that was the quarterback for Terrell. She had two sons, and they was legend. I'm telling you, they was they was really good. And but not so much their sports uh, the talent. Am I talking about? I'm talking about how she handled them, how she talked to them. While a lot of people was intimidated by these boys because they were so good, I. Spiritually, early on, early, early, early on, we're talking about maybe eight or nine. I was just, of course, I don't know if they was playing for Terrell that early, but I remember just throughout the years, Mama had that was her best friend, one of her best friends, and I just remember she would come and and they would, she would uh, lift my mother up, encourage my mother. Uh, again, how did this lady become uh, uh, one of your 300, Miss Ross lifted my mother many times. Mama wasn't a Superman. She got discouraged. She got angry, I'm sure, with, with the situation she was living in because Mama come from a, a very different background. They had things on that north side, and I hear that they was one of the most prosperous family on the north side that when people come to town oftentimes they would put them up at that family's house first people have a piano and just a bunch of things 
Caleb Booker was a businessman, like a little entrepreneur before the before they was calling them entrepreneurs. Uh, had several uh, businesses here. Um, so Mama come from a complete world uh, and winded up in those projects. So Miss Ross was one of those strong ladies in the hood that just understood how to survive, and she was one of the ones that talked to my mother. So that inspired me watching them dialogue and uh, we would have to time go up there and borrow things and just just dialogue with Miss Ross and how she loved, loved, loved Irene and her kids. That inspired me spiritually. Uh, I talk a lot about on the show, Fossils on Network, about how our neighborhoods are not like we had. And oftentimes in the back of my mind, I'm thinking of Miss Ross, okay? very important person in our life, brothers and sisters. I cannot go into I can tell you all kinds of stories about the Rosses. Uh, Daryl uh, uh, Ford is Miss Ross's son, and that's the guy that asked us if he could include Mom in his upcoming book. I need to find out what that uh, Did he ever write it and try to get a copy of that? But they, they pay high homage to my mother. That's another thing, watching the the Rosses and the Fords pay homage to my mother over the years, uh, treat her almost like she's a celebrity. They think the world of Irene, my mother. And so watching Mama, who seemingly didn't have much because we lived there in the projects, and watching the Fords and the Rosses, same family, make over her and respect her, I should say, uh, and, and, and listen to her, those boys, when Mama say something, they would do it just like it was one of us. As Miss Ross would knock the crap out of. I mean, you know, that was something, y'all. You don't think that inspired me spiritually? It's a lot to talk about Miss Ross, but we will leave that there. I want to go on to the Crowders. Uh, this was probably one of the smartest families in the entire project. This is probably one of the smartest families in Fort Worth. Owen Crowder, Fidel Crowder, Helen. Uh, just a lot of them. <laughs> this was a man that was blind, and he had a wife that was super supportive. When I think of a household, a man uh, uh, leading his house, the whole scripture that talks about women being submissive to your husband, I think of oftentimes my upbringing, and the, one of the first families that come to my mind is the Crowders. They, to me, was a model family. Now, I talked about the Smiths last week at Prayer of Faith and the Lesters at Prayer of Faith, who was headed by men. Uh, uh, there were several families with men of God that led their hard houses, but in the projects, we had the Crowders and others, of course. But the reason I put the Crowders on my list of friends that have inspired me the most spiritually, you know the jokes about us, as black people borrowing sugar. Well, who we borrowed the most sugar from was from the Crowders. And there was Owen Crowder, who we played with. Mama did allow Owen over our house. There only a few kids that Mama would allow over our house to pray. Owen ended up being a preacher. Uh, uh, and I'll talk probably more about that later. But Owen, oh, my God, he would come over. 
This was one of our friends, and you know Mama would pray with us, and guess who was in the room there sometime, Owen? Mama would let us go out in the yard, and there's only certain kids we could pray, play with. It's probably about two or three of them, and Owen Crowder was one of them. He was also a very good athlete, very funny, like another brother early, early on, Owen Crowder. He had sisters that used to fight this when Donna first started to fight. The Crowders would tell you we were just regular old everyday kids. And one day Mama got tired of Donna coming home crying about the Crowders, about four or five girls. And they would beat her up sometime. And Donna could fight. But the Crowders knew that Mama was not allow Donna to fight. And they would pick on her, bully her. Donna cried, cried, cried. Mama finally told Donna, next time they hit you, defend yourself. And that was over. It was over. They never had no pro- Donna never had no problem with the crowd because Donna could fight. Donna could fight. Donna could whoop the, a lot of guys in the project. Donna was very, listen to me, Donna was very, very athletic. Donna was very, very boyish. Believe that. I mean, we, you ever seen girls that can literally whoop guys? I mean, we're in the, we're in the East Side Project, but Lahousen now. Donna could whoop. Those guys, a lot of them, Donis was could scrap. Serious. She was a very good athlete. Very flexible, too, by the way. She taught gymnastics. If I can talk, y'all got this thing in my ear, and I'm telling you, I hear myself talking. It's the hardest thing. But Donna taught gymnastics down at Harmon Field. Speaking of Harmon Field, we'll go to Harmon Field next. Harmon Field was a place we would go to for recreation. Harmon Field was um, where we would go to for talent shows. Harmon Field was where we would go to to try to date or try to act like we wanted to date. Harmon Field was our playground. But it wasn't just our playground for those of us at Butler Housing. It was a playground for people all over the city. As a matter of fact, Roger Zapp, the group Zapp, Several other groups came to Fort Worth, and they chose to have their concert right there at Harmon Field. Can you believe that? It's a true story. And so the project, as one of my cousins once said, you know, you need to quit calling it a project because y'all really wasn't like a project. Y'all was more like a community. And it really was, folks. It's, it's, it's probably I shouldn't say the projects because, it was a close-knit community, and to this day, like when I, uh, a father put in my heart to have a reunion about three years ago, and I brought back all those people from Butler, and uh, it was without an incident. No issues. People loved each other. It was very hard for them to sit in the same room and not talk to each other. We was trying to have a, a program, and we really couldn't have a program because people was, was so... Anyway, it probably shouldn't be called the project, to be honest, brothers and sisters, because we really did have something, and we had a village, and we was accountable to the Crowders. I mentioned earlier, Miss Crowder could whip me. Uh, uh, I, there's several people can whip me from the time I leave that school building until I get home. Oftentimes they would ask me while uh, I was walking home because these parents would be standing outside sometimes waiting on their kids, and they wasn't like today where they just look for just their kid. 
No, they would say, how you doing, Seth? How was school today? And I better say everything went well if I tell them anything else. Sometimes they'll ask to see my report card. I'm serious. We was accountable to more than just Irene and the Butler House. Okay? So, but back to this, uh, really quickly, i got to move a little faster, though, if I'm going to go through 300. Uh, well, I'm definitely not getting 300, but even if I get to 100 or something close, i got to move a little faster. So, talk about Harmon Field, and then we'll take a little break, and we're going to uh, do a, um, we'll finish up after the break. So, brothers and sisters, Harmon Field, I cannot stress to you the amount of lessons I learned as an individual spiritually at Harmon Field. This is the nuts and bolts of Seth Turner. This is where Mama allowed us to mingle with the village. School, of course, is a place you mingle, but it's a controlled environment, as y'all know. Well, Harmon Field is a time we can actually see what children are about, what children are taught, how children just, this is kind of a, y'all know how recreation centers are. Now, recreation centers today versus back in the day, this is a little different. Parents were different then. But I remember Mama would, um, and if y'all don't think this inspired me spiritually, I don't know what would. Mama would pair up this huge uh, thing of sandwiches and Kool-Aid. And I remember we had tuna sandwiches and something else, and, and, and Donna would carry it. And all six of us, or maybe five of us, I don't know if Pup was too if he was big enough to go with us, but we would cross this huge field and go over to Harmon Field. Now, I want y'all to listen. We was known as the kids that crossed that same field to walk to church. This was the time of ridicule, where a lot of times we would be laughed at. Not every day, not every time. We went to church every single day, and if we didn't have a ride, we would walk to church. If you don't think walking to church every day for years and years and years would inspire me spiritually, piss me off at times, even have me wondering why us, why won't we have a car? It was about maybe, I don't know, maybe three miles. We would walk to church, brothers and sisters. Maybe four miles. We would walk to church every single day for many years. Uh, Sometimes we got rides by the church van, because we didn't always have a church van. Sometimes we got ride by um, members of the church, but oftentimes Mama would have us walking. If we couldn't get a ride, we had to start off walking. I think we would, if the service started, seven, we'd probably start off walking maybe five or something. And we had to walk across this same field, just like we had to walk over to, to Harmon Field, we have to walk across the same field. So here we are walking over to Harmon Field, and um, it's in this little line, and uh, people got to know us. People got to respect us. We respected others. People got to, a lot of parents began to kind of mimic certain things Mama would do. And um, Harmon Field is where we 
got a chance to open up to to others. Now watch how this inspired me spiritually. We would see kids that was well mannered also that acted up like we acted up sometime also. The conversation with God, yes, it will come up also. Among them, we would get into conversations about God, and we got to see how much people knew about the Bible or whether or not they talked about the Bible at all. A lot of times we didn't talk about the Bible at all. Most of the time we didn't talk about the Bible at all. No harm or fear. We was playing basketball, and, and we was dancing or doing all kinds of things. Actually, dancing and come on to later on. But uh, I want to zero in on a lady by the name of uh, Miss Dorothy. Can't think of her last name for now. Uh, but again, we're talking about people that inspired me the most. So here's our playground, Harmon Field at Butler Housing. Um, and Miss Dorothy was an authoritative person just like my mother. Now watch this. My mother handled six kids. Miss Dorothy had, had to handle her and her staff had to handle probably 100 kids. Now, how you do that? I remember, like yesterday, this lady, she didn't have a whole lot of time to spend with you because she had 100 kids pulling at her. And I remember the patience she had. I don't remember her ever cussing us out. Uh, I remember another lady, even before her older lady, who was even more graceful than she was, these people loved us as children at that Harmon Field. They did not take no crap off of us. You would get sent home, and your mama going to be told what you did. But I remember our village. and I, I'm, I, There was guys also. There, yes, there were men that worked at Harmon Field. But the person that was over it were these two women, one woman, Moved on, or maybe she died or passed away, and then Miss Dorothy came on the scene. I can't think of the first lady's name. But I just remember conversations. I remember how she would talk to us when we was in trouble. We would, she would bring us in our office, and, and it's kind of like our schools, how they would talk, the mannerism, and they would hold you in the office and call your parents, tell them what you did, your parents would come in and get you, or they'll send you home and they say you can't come back to the gym for a while. And I just remember... Miss Dorothy, talking about the Lord. Yes, I remember being a, a spiritual lady. There was always this God thing going on with these people in this so-called Butler House in the Harmon Field. So I remember that. And I don't remember the first ladies oh, uh, uh, talking about God, but I do remember Miss Dorothy being a spiritual lady and uh, how she handled some of Watch this, brothers and sisters. She had some of the roughest people some of those people were killers. They would grow up to be killers. They would grow up to be murderers. You say, well, well, she wasn't doing too good. No, I think that she did do good because some of it would have been worse. Some of them probably wouldn't even live as long as they lived. And uh, you can't blame her for a lot of the, again, a lot of the paths a lot of those young people took. But I can say this. Miss Dorothy sowed a seed in the lives of a lot of those young men that grew up. Some of them didn't listen, I would assume. 
she couldn't be there. She couldn't just have any office just teaching them from. She had 100 kids to look after. But I watched a woman handle. I can see her. I can see her staff. I can see how she trained them and how they were supposed to. Nobody handled us rough. And we was not easy. You know, even mama kids, we weren't easy. We wasn't no pushovers. And so we would fight. If you push us, yes, we would. We would compete with you. It don't matter what sport it was, Dana, we was going to compete, and we was going to beat you in some games, whatever it was. But uh, we also was going to say a few things we probably shouldn't have said. We were no angels. But I just remember Miss Dorothy handling us in various uh, stages of our life. I just remember going out to that gym and uh, – I wish I can think of her name. My goodness, I'm, I'm racing here. But Harmon Field was our playground before we got big and start taking a bus and going all the other places. We only had the projects that Big Field, where we had um, what they call monkey bars, and um, where we had a merry-go-round outside a little playground area. We had Harmon Field. And I thank the Father for my early beginning. I thank the Father for all of the people that uh, import and poured uh, into my life at Harmon Field. I remember she loved Mama. Her Mama had these conversations whenever Mama come down to Harmon Field, and so that that meant a lot to me. And I think that the people of Harmon Field really loved that lady. And I remember when she. Um, uh, uh, would uh, have these events, uh, and the parents would come down to Harmon Field. They would show up, man. And, I mean, guys, men and women, we we had a little village, y'all, I'm telling you, and it's always headed by this one lady and her staff. So, uh, again, the Chronicles of Seth Turnbull is just a paying homage to over 300 personal friends. And, yes, Miss Dorothy was a friend of not just me but hundreds of children. Uh, and maybe her name will come all later after I'm off the air, of course. But remember, Harmon Field. It was not just our our recreation center, but it was a recreation center to Fort Worth. So a lot of people would, would come there, and they wouldn't even live in Butler House. But I want to switch gears and uh, at this time and take a little break, and then we're going to come back and talk about We're going to try to finish up Butler housing and kind of get into actually we're going to finish up Bullet Out and Prayer Faith that's my goal for this show because those places I spent the most time and uh, they're going to have more friends than any other thing I've done in my entire life because you're talking about well the reunion talked to like 3,000 people you know, all those people my, wasn't my friend uh, obviously but I mean Harmon Field, I can talk about a whole show. Butler House, I can talk about a whole year. And so how am I going to pull this off and only have just a, a few minutes? I don't know. But we're going to try best in this show to wrap up Butler Housing as well as um, Prayer of Faith. And then, because we've got a lot to cover, folks, coming your way, we're going to be talking about, uh, it's not today in the shows to come, we've got still Prayer of Faith. We still got to want to talk about all of the different um, 
churches I've been to and how the Father used people to uh, inspire Brother Seth. And I think these testimonies that I share, we're starting a little slow tonight, but we're gonna, it's going to get more entertaining. Some of y'all are going to share some laughs. I mean, you're going to uh, be able to laugh. Uh, some of you are going to maybe be inspired. Some of you are going to be encouraged by a lot of what the Father has done in my life. Brothers and sisters, I don't take a backseat to nobody because the Father truly have inspired a lot of these people. Y'all going to hear of people that gave me a word that when I tell you the word they gave me, it will be a word for you, and you'll be thinking about that word until the day you die. Some of these things I say, I guarantee you, you will never forget them the rest of your life. You will, you will quote some of these people when it comes off my lip. Some of these experiences I had, uh, you will never forget them. And you will know that there is a God truly just from what I share the Father have done. Some of these things my wife didn't even know about. Some of these things my my, my own brothers and sisters don't know. Uh, some of these things I've never told anybody. I've had all types of relationships and uh that I've never shared with anybody, just not that I'm trying to hide it. I just hadn't had time to talk about uh, even Brother Waylon Saez. I'm happy to see his name on here. Uh, I'll tell you this real quick, by Waylon Saez, real quick. There's two young preachers we knew as children. Well, the youngest preacher I ever met was a gentleman by the name of Sherman Allen. He was called a preacher, and he was like, I don't know, eight or something. So when we was at, before prayer faith, when we was at the Holiness Church, we knew of this young pastor, or this young preacher. They used to stand him up on a little prop to preach. His name was Sherman Allen. Y'all ready for this? My Aunt Robbie, when she was called to preach, she was called to preach the same day as Sherman Allen. <laughs> Sherman Allen was like eight. Ain't Robbie was like probably 24, 30 or something. And it was called to preach on the same day. Sherman Allen was a child that laid hands on an older lady that was blind. And she began seeing. And everybody started talking about this little boy in Fort Worth thing, Sherman Allen. Sherman Allen went on to go to Easton Hill. He was valedictorian out here at Easton Hill. He was their class president. And, of course, he made the news when he started doing something. He didn't have no business. I won't talk about that because it scarred his name. And probably he would probably never get the name he had before. But Sherman Allen was a genius, one of the smartest people around in the Fort Worth area to that fall. But he had his history right there at the Holiness Church. He didn't go to the Holiness Church we went to. He went to another church. But that Holiness Church that we went to before prayer faith fellowship with this pastor and his son was Sherman Allen. was called a priest at the same time Ain't Robert was. My aunt that's, didn't that passed not too long ago, about 85 years old. She'd been preaching for many, many years. But isn't that something that she was called to preach in the same, I mean, she was uh, honored, uh, ordained the same time Sherman Allen was. So some history coming your way. 
But there was another young preacher by the name of Waylon Syed. And Waylon went to TCJC with me. And I remember there was a day, because, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of money in those days. Hadn't quite got into the whole accounting thing yet. Hadn't become that uh, night auditor that I ended up making good money with and uh, doing and so forth. And so it was one of those broke days. I asked Waylon for some money. And I remember saying, no, I don't have any money, man. I, sorry. And uh, I just began to share with him like I would always do. And this day I began <laughs> to really talk about the Lord and sermon got a revelation. And I remember he was right there at the Tandy Center skating ring. Some of y'all smiling when I said that because you forgot all about the Tandy Center skating ring that we all used to go hang out with when we would leave our uh college, uh, TCJC and various colleges, we would, all young people would meet at the Tandy Center. That was a place, that was the hangout for Fort Worth youth. The Tandy Center downtown Fort Worth was our hangout. No matter what level you was going to be on, the first level, second level, or third level, you had to be at the Tandy Center. With the Tandy Center, the ice rink, first level, I was sharing with him in Revelation, and I was just so excited about this truth and the word and I remember Sherman was so blessed after he had said he didn't have no money. He said, man, let me take you to lunch. <laughs> he said, I want you to finish sharing. I want to hear more about that. And this boy offered to take me to lunch after he just said he didn't have any. But it went on to become a, 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 a relationship with Waylon Saez. Now, if y'all look at my friends, you'll see Waylon's name as one of my friends. Now, Waylon was another one of those um, person that was preaching at a very young age. He might have been the youngest preacher outside of Sherman Allen in the Fort Worth area. Waylon started preaching around 10 or something like that. Young, young preachers. And to this day, Waylon still preaches uh, down in, I think, Marshall, Texas or somewhere. But, folks, i got to take a little break. Uh, I want to just, again, thank you for tuning into the Fire Swimstone Network where we have this series but Brother Seth is talking about uh, his life. We call it the Chronicles of Seth Turner. And in this series, we we, we start it off uh, with talking about my friends. Later we'll get into events. Later we'll get into the cities and different churches. Uh, we have shows where we just talk about just the churches or just the events or the, just the cities or maybe uh, the places I've traveled to. But right now we just concentrate on the friends uh, throughout my years on this earth and then we'll go back and zero in on like i said events and so forth i hope you're enjoying this we're starting a little slow tonight i'm kind of glad i'm doing this on my own because i don't see how i could fit somebody else in this show and uh it's okay though brothers and sisters tonight you're going to be blessed by what the father's put in my heart i'm going to wrap up uh after this second part but you got to hear what else i got to share tonight, and then we will um, see you on tomorrow. But don't go anywhere. i got a lot more coming at you, talking about some things that have happened in Butler Housing that inspired me the most, really helped me, encouraged me, motivated me. To this day, sometimes I reflect on some of these experiences or some of these words that was given from these friends, and just it's what keep me ticking. We'll be right back.
were on the road when Daniel created that tune. In fact, we were doing just messing around in the studio in Nashville. And uh, Daniel only had a tune or some chord changes and progressions. And, and uh, he and Tremaine actually got together and put lyrics together for that. And we decided to use it because it was different. It would add a little bit of contrast to what we were doing in the concert that evening.
really appreciate it. And I hope this show inspire you. The goal of the show pretty much is just to lift up the Father. You know, what he said, I'll be lifted up, I will draw. And I just believe that if I just share the truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God, if I just share the goodness of the Father, what he actually said and did in prior years, how he used various friends, I'm, I'm guessing 300, I'm sure it's more than that, that have imparted powerful things. Now, we talked about the earlier years where it was just kind of, you know, things that's basic things. But, again, as a young, 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 young person, seven, eight years old, you know those things have formed me. And I'm going to probably hit a few more of those, but I'm going to get into some more older years now and start talking about some some serious things. I recognize something, though, looking at this list. I don't think there's no way in the world I'm going to be able to cover the projects and and, uh, uh, the Butler Housing and uh, prayer faith in this show. It's just way too much. So I'm just going to take my time and let the Father just use me, hopefully, to just share with y'all things that I know for sure that have really resurrected me, helped me, inspired me. And to these days, I reach back to these memories. So I want to start off by finishing up with my siblings. I kind of talked about Mars uh and again, the father does use Mars from time to time. Mars will say things. He's always say a lot of crazy stuff. I'm just gonna be honest with you. To me, when I say crazy stuff, I mean stuff that's gonna be like, man, that don't make no sense. But sometimes Mars will say things, and you'll know that the father is speaking to him. You cannot discount Mars. But Tanya is another breed. Now, Tanya, Mama said when we was born, Tanya and I, she fasted with us. Now, why she didn't do it with other kids, I don't know. But Mama told us when I was half Seth, I fasted. And when I had Tanya, I fasted. And uh, I don't know if that's why, but Tanya pretty much is one of the spiritual, most spiritual people in Mama's house. Tanya is going to give you a word if anybody is going to give you a word. Tanya, over the years, have been probably one of the most spiritual people. She really have been. You know, always reminding us to pray and sometimes getting on folks' nerve with it. That's Tanya. So Tanya probably have inspired me more than any of my siblings where it relates to the father is concerned. Just, you know, she ain't perfect. She doesn't also piss me off sometimes. But Tanya, she know how to get a hold of the father. And I also was inspired by Tanya singing over the years. Tanya can sing, y'all. And uh, she... Don't try to put herself out there a whole lot. You almost have to make her sing, kind of like Town the Man used to act back in the day when we was at uh, Holy Tabernacle. And Town the Man reminded me of Tanya. I would see them say, Tam, come and sing. And she would be up there kind of acting all shy. And I used to think in my mind, because I was sitting up in the pulpit back at, uh, when I was uh, with uh, uh, when I was at Holy Tabernacle. Those were my Holy Tabernacle days. And so pass a sample, and everybody would be sitting up there, and they would ask Tam to come there and sing, and she would be 
just shy, and it reminds me kind of Tanya. She's light-skinned, kind of not fat, but kind of thick, you know, a little young girl, and she reminded me of Tanya. I'm serious. I'm just being honest. Can I be honest? Do you want me to tell you the truth? Tamla Mann reminded me of Tanya. I would say, she act like Tanya. Look at her act like Tanya. And this is before Tamla Mann, of course, got any kind of encouragement, any type of uh, confidence. She was a shy little girl that didn't want to sing. But anyway, Tanya, again, then she goes off to marry Joel, and both of them is a force to be reckoned with. I thank God for Tanya and Joel. I know I kid a lot with them, joke a lot with them, and, and, and they can be difficult at times. But uh, they got a word for you. And I appreciate Tanya over the years for praying for the family, giving a word to the family, getting on our nerves sometime with her preaching. But uh, she looks like Mama the most out of all of us, and I think she act like Mama the most, to be honest with you. Moppy is the one you don't see coming. And I praise and thank God for Moppy. Moppy, as I remember, how she inspired me spiritually, how she on the list. Of course, that's your sister. She shouldn't be on your friends. Moppy, you know how, again, your brothers and sisters can also be your friends. And we have a friendship, obviously. Moppy have gave me so many words over the years tidbits of knowledge, tidbits of health, uh, little things to do with. I remember her raising Kevin and Kevin and little, little boys was a handful and how she used wisdom with them many times. She got frustrated with them too, but Moppy raised her children, Charity and Caleb and Calvin, Kevin. Moppy raised her children. I remember her, she's the first one in our family, as I remember, that wouldn't eat this, wouldn't eat that, don't bring this in here, I only eat this, I only eat that. She she really was, I don't know the word, Moppy, Moppy raised those children. For a single parent, she did very well. And that's what I believe. Every time I ever saw Moppy, she was about her kids. She had rules. And her rules had rules. And she had some boys that was strong-willed and oftentimes broke those wills, and she had to deal. But Moppy is the one that I would invite to Israel, and she the first one I think took me up on it and can't start coming to Israel. And she ended up talking to Charity and bringing Charity to Israel. And, of course, Charity ends up marrying someone from uh, Israel, and Charity ended up moving herself to Israel and then moving back to the States and then moving back to Israel. So... Moppy all influenced that. Moppy also have the largest uh, uh, part of our family. Moppy has the largest branch. But more importantly, staying on topic, the way Moppy inspired me spiritually is she is the softest spoken person in our family. Ain't going to be hollering. And we all are very loud at times. We're going to speak our minds. Now, my people speak her mind, but she's not going to raise her voice. And I just appreciate 
over the years, her influencing me to find a softer way of dialoguing. That's Moppy. Like I said, you're not going to see her coming. But she is always, she's one of those persons that don't want to be up front. Oh, my God, never. Never. She want to work in the background. She want to be a force behind. You don't think that influenced me spiritually? And another thing, Moppy believes in me. Moppy believes in her brother Seth. Share this with y'all about Moppy really quickly. Moppy, just to give you an idea how much Moppy believes in me. Y'all know I think big, right? I probably shouldn't say this because it hasn't. We haven't done it yet. But Moppy actually wanted me since I have brought forty about forty people to Israel. She say you should open it up and start taking people all over the country back to Israel. She said, you know how to do the airline work. You work in the airlines. You could be a travel agent. You know how to get free tickets. To, you know, there's a way. Uh, I ain't going to tell y'all, but there's a way you can get free tickets on airlines. And she said, you know you how to work that thing, and you get you a free ticket out of it, but you also can uh, uh, organize it to where you can start taking many people back to Israel. I cannot tell you how big this actually is. Moppy was talking about the nation. She didn't say the word nation, but she was saying, you know, this could get big, it could be international. She just felt like I could do that, like, you should do it. You shouldn't be on your job. You should be getting paid to be taking people to Israel. That should be your thing. Start taking people to Israel. You know, you know about the land. You can take them around. You know how to negotiate with the hotels. You know, that's Moppy. Again, I could talk about any one of these people a whole show, but I'll move on. Putt. Now, Putt no longer is with us. It's the only one of my siblings that have passed so far. And um, Putt, I just think, was heartbroken after Mama passed. How does Putt inspire me spiritually? How did he make the list? That's what you want to know, right? Putt didn't seem to fit in his life. He never got his grip. He always seemed to be unappreciated or taken for granted or he just wasn't valued. Put had a better heart than my, probably all mama kids. Put shared something with me that I kind of blew my mind, actually. We was grown. And he told me when I left home at 18, moved to, with Dan Wallace, my first roommate, who God definitely set that up. Putt told me he felt like I abandoned him. He thought we were going to be there forever. He didn't understand why I moved away. That was something in and of itself right there. Never know where your siblings are at. Now, I'm thinking, I'm moving, I'm doing my thing. But Putt really was, how can I say it? Putt was uh, 
thinking we were supposed to just be a family forever. And when I moved away, they kind of broke up the family. So that was something right there. But then Pud used to go to a lot of funerals. And I told him I didn't think that was good. I said, Pud, you got to be careful with that, you know. I told him that's how Israel was commanded not to see dead people. As they did, they was unclean for 24 hours. And again, unclean just means unaccepted to do, um, unaccepted. When you say a dead person, the Bible says you was unclean for the rest of the day. So basically, you can handle any holy thing. You can do anything with the saints because you just seen a dead person. The Father knew that that did something to you spiritually. So I told Pudge, you, sh- you should be making everybody's funeral. And we went back and forth on that. But agree with me. I said to him, Pudge, you got to be there when for people when they're alive. Once they're dead, it's nice to go to their funeral, but you don't need to be making everybody's funeral. You just need to be there before they die. So how he respected me, here we go. How did he make your friends list? Because he listened to me as his big brother. Brother Putt believed in me. Putt supported me when I started talking about we Israel. I remember talking to him and talking to him and trying to share with him how I knew he was the Israelites. And Putt wasn't a yes man. He wasn't just going to agree with you because you're his brother. But I remember he was a... Um, what do you call that? He worked at uh, Eastern Hills High School, and he worked whenever you get in trouble. You know, you have to go to school hall. You have to go to what do they call that? I can't even think. But anyway, you go see Putt. Putt had this room full of troubled uh, 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 teens at Eastern Hill. If you did wrong, you have to go to see Mr. Putt, or Mr. Effner is his name. And so I remember at his funeral, the principal getting emotional and crying, grown man crying at the funeral when he started to talk about his aide or his, uh, uh, what is the name of that room? I can't think of it. But anyway, um, he was talking about how Mr. Putt or, or Mr. Effner, what he would call him, he said he was different. He was the real deal. I remember, the, I remember that. And one of the things Putt shared with me, I call this, we call him Put Everybody, but his name is Efner Sims. That's my brother, okay? Um, and that's a whole other story as to how he got his name put. I'm going to keep it spiritual, though. Anyway, the principal said, I have a lot of teachers, and I value those teachers, but Mr. Sims was different. I don't really know what all he meant because you know how you speak at a period. You don't have it a few minutes. But one of the things I shared with Putt was, Putt, we are the people of the Bible. We've been reading this Bible all our life and did not know that we live out these prophecies more than anybody on this earth. The people in Israel, I love Putt, but they're not the real Jews because they don't live out these prophecies. And Putt was no stranger to the Scriptures. He knew how to argue the word. Remember, that's our youngest brother. He's been grew up in all this church. Part understood the Bible. We always walk around. You can see him sometime walking with his Bible. And 
part share with me that he share with those young people at Eastern Hills, those troubled teens, why are y'all acting like this? Why are y'all doing this? You know we're the people of the Bible. He said, what? I remember his exact words. He says, I told him, said, we're the people of the Bible. What else can we be? And those words I will never forget. That was my last conversation with Putt. He said that. So he's no longer with us. You think that that inspires me spiritually? It inspires me spiritually to know that all of the conversations we had, all of the thousands of conversations we had about the Bible, Putt watching us, uh, uh, us, us being in some way probably leaders to him, that was our final conversation, that he did see the light of him being the people of Israel to the degree that he would share it with his students. That inspired me spiritually, brothers and sisters. Yes, it did. I said, yes, it did. So before I go on, I'm going to wrap this up here, but before I go on, I just want to remind everybody, y'all, please check out part one. This is really part two. Part one, y'all, we talked about some of these people I've already mentioned. But we talked about them more in depth. If you missed last week's show, i got to tell y'all this because some of y'all missed it. We talked about Mama a lot last week. Y'all should go back and listen. We talked about prayer of faith. We talked about a Texas Northeast Ensemble, uh, Bishop J. Noah Haynes, who almost got the head job of being the bishop of the entire Church of God in Christ. He has a choir that is second to none. We talked about how they mesmerized people all over the country and in Texas, especially with how they did the voices. They was they was before all the choirs as far as the rocking and the harmonizing and, and flipping our voices on this side of the choir and the, while the voices on the other side of the choir are doing something different. We talked about them. We talked about um uh, uh the Grimes, we talked about the Smiths uh, at Prayer of Faith, we talked about the Dangerfields, we talked about uh, the Meeks, we talked about the Lesters, we talked about the Kellys briefly, uh, we talked about um, Sister White, uh, Francine Morrison, Friends of Mama, we talked about Sister Lee, we talked about Sister Cheeks last week, we talked about so many things, y'all. If you missed last week's show, we talked about the Apple Whites. And I think one thing I I, I talked about Apple, uh, 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 John Applewhite, and we talked about Andy, you know, several things about Andy. I know my siblings, if they're listening, they're probably shocked because they probably thought I didn't like Andy because we didn't have a whole lot of dialogue. But Andy is the one, like I was saying last week, he taught us how to become a little electrician, how to cut wires and and tape them back together and make things work. Andy taught us about electronics a long time ago. But we talked about several people. Um, <laughs> we talked about, um, I'll just turn it to the next, last week, okay, because we're going to be talking about many things that, like I said, inspired me, motivated me, encouraged me, even to this very day, to this very day. So I want to just wrap it up by talking about a few more things, and we'll wrap up here in about two or three minutes here, 
I want to talk about a guy by the name of Daryl Jessup. And this was a minister that came to town. And I've got to talk about this name. Again, this is something my siblings probably never heard me talk about, as well as my friends. I don't think my wife ever heard me talk about Daryl Jessup. Daryl Jessup was a preacher that came to Prayer Faith Temple. They call him the walking Bible. Why? Because this man, y'all, excuse me, my words are getting tripped up because I got this, again, this thing in my ear, and it makes me stumble over my words. So don't just know I don't have no speech problem. It's just I got the show in my ear while I'm talking. So I'm hearing myself talking. It trips me up sometimes. But Daryl Jessup was what they call the walking Bible. What does that mean? Daryl Jessup would start quoting the scriptures and walking. And he had this funny walk. He probably was being a little showboat. But it inspired me. Oh, my goodness, was I impressed. And so was the world that saw him. Everybody got to see me travel all over the country. But he was called the walking Bible. I have never seen anybody to this date. And I've been to all kinds of churches, Calvary's Christian Outreach Center, uh, Cincinnati Church of Christ, Christ Emmanuel, many churches, y'all. I have never seen anybody quote the Bible like Daryl Jessup. He had this funny walk when he started quoting the scriptures. He'll be preaching, but when he started quoting the scriptures, and he's going to be quoting it for a while, he will walk funny, like he, like almost like a robot kind of a, and he probably was showboating a little bit, but it was very impressive. This man will quote chapters. Can you imagine somebody just walking, and they've been quoting the Bible without looking at the Bible, and it's five minutes, and they're still talking, they're still quoting, still quoting, still quoting. And the people are clapping and getting more excited. The longer he goes, they just get more excited, more. Because we never seen nothing like it. They call him the walking Bible. That impressed me to learn the scriptures. Need I say any more about Daryl Jessup? <laughs> there was many ministers that came there. Uh, last week, brothers and sisters, if you missed uh, last week, um, I talked about a gentleman by the name of Philip, a great organ player that he ended up going to my aunt's house. And what happened there, y'all got to tune in last week. I talked about Gene Martin, uh, uh which is the singer for AAL and the largest tent revival uh, that ever hit America. These, you, let me tell you how big AAL tents were. You could literally put the entire Potter's House Sunday service under the tent and have more room. You probably could put it in there three times. Now, you know Potter's House is huge. Y'all have to see this tent. It was bigger than Barnabas. Than the circus tents, I do. You you couldn't even see people on the other side. It was so big. Y'all got to see this. This is a whole nother kind of tent. You never seen anything like it. Google it. A. A. Allen's tent. Well, anyway, his singer name was Gene Martin. Not to mention A. Allen had the most miracles I've ever seen. Matter of fact, of anybody ever to come in America, A. Allen would have to be tops like Oral Robinson and the TLRs and so the world, these people had bona fide miracles, and people tried to write them off, but they couldn't say they was fake because they would happen right in front of you, and that was A.A. A. Allen. 
I talked about Gene Martin when he came to Prayer of Faith at the one time, and I talked about African pastor by the name of African um, preacher by the name of Brother Maxwell that lived with us. I shouldn't say lived with us, he stayed with us a few nights, maybe one night, but he meets these greens. There was no funny stuff with him and my mother. He just loved us kids, and we love us, Brother Ma- uh, Maxwell. And he was kind of a young guy, and uh, he stayed with us, and the next day he got up and made greens for us, and I talked about that last show. Y'all got to tune in to get the details. So we're going to do these series. We're going to be talking about these people. And um, before I wrap this up, let me mention Sister Porter. I'm trying to go to everybody at Prayer Faith, but y'all, Sister Porter just takes the cake. Sister Porter takes the cake. She was, I talked about her a little bit last week. Uh, when I talked about a Robert being a female minister, but Sister Porter was a backbone, probably a prayer of faith. You know, the white gentleman headed up us, our white pastors, not that it matters, it was white, but C.B. Ross was a white gentleman. And you know how sometimes you, you got to have that black person know how to talk to us. And Sister Porter was more stern, I think, than Pastor Roberts was. And, of course, she followed his lead, but she was, I remember her wearing those uh, nurses' uniform to church. Every time I seen the lady, it seemed like she had this nurses' uniform because she was working and come straight to, I guess she comes straight to uh, church from work. But I remember her taking us into the neighborhood. Here we go. How does this important make this, this, my friends list? Listen to this, brothers and sisters. When we was young, we got saved. Sister Porter would take us to the neighborhoods and tell us to preach, to share our faith, go and tell people. She'd give them this track. We would pass our tracks, and she'd say, don't be afraid to talk to them. Tell them about God. <laughs> Can you all imagine that? Sister Porter would take us out, and I wonder if my siblings remember that. I remember it. And, and, and her things, she would preach about hell. Oh, my goodness. When I think of Sister Porter, I think of a voice, uh, not intimidated, bold. She was bold as a lion, not afraid of a faith. Oh, my God. And she would take, I remember she would take us out and give us all these tracks, and, and we'd go, one go this way, one go that way, and just tell about the Lord and, it was something. Sister Porter was very, 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 very intense. The way she would preach, very, very, very intense. So when I think about those old holiness preachers, probably number one person come to my mind was Sister Porter. Kudos to the family, the Porter family. And, um, we talked about them also the cooks and so forth. Mars, we talked about Mars and sister and his young girlfriend at the time, Dolores, and, and that family, Selena, and Big Adam. We didn't say much about the sisters, but y'all tune into last week. I talked a little bit about that, and some of them may be shocked that I'm even mentioning their name on this show, but of course they influenced me. I watched those young kids act silly, uh, ignore the word, Play in church. I watch them get serious. I watch them go down to the altar about eighteen thousand times. 
I watched them cry with certain messages. So all of these families contributed to Brother Seth being who he is today. But you have heard nothing. Next week, we're going to finish up with anything I could think of a Butler House. Butler House is major, y'all. I'm not going to lie. I don't think next, I'm going to try to finish up Butler House next week, but it's just too many people, y'all. It's too many stories. It's it's just all kinds of... Mama used to have a Rini roast. I'm just going to say this real quick. This is the kinds of things I want to share with y'all. My mother would invite all... We, Butler Housing probably had 22 units. And every unit probably was an average of, I want to say, 10 people maybe. Maybe more than that because I'm say 15. Every unit might have 15. They had four different... Uh, uh, addresses, and probably if you combine the average units, all the out of those four apartments might have been 15 people as an average. Mama invited the, the kids to come up to her house for a weenie roast. Now think about this. Get a visual of this. In the projects. Mama Grass was the green. She kept the Yard of the Month sign in her yard for the most part when they started having that. But this was before Yard of the Month. Mama had a very green grass, big yard. Just imagine a bunch of black kids in this big old fire, and she had all these hangers that she handed to the kids. You was to put your wiener on the hanger and hold it over the fire, and we had what they call a wiener roast. Once you got your winning, you sit down, you was eating. Mama would preach on her yard to all of these kids. You don't think we was embarrassed by that? We was kind of embarrassed by it, but at the same time, kids liked that. So they became friends of ours. And this is why I say everybody know my mama over stuff like this. And she had that. I don't know how many times she had it, but she had it several times. And then, of course, she used to try to be over the PTA. This is why I say I'm going to mention Mama a lot of times during this whole um, series. So these are the kinds of things that's coming up to talk to y'all about Butler House and things that happen. They really genuinely happen right there in our village where you could see God's power uh there's some things that happen that you believe, will believe. Some things you, would happen you may not believe. But the purpose of the series is to lift up the Father, telling things that I know for sure that was a blessing in my life that inspired me to do the right thing, to inspire me even to this very day at 62 years old to continue on this journey. So uh, hopefully y'all are getting something out of this uh, series. I promise you we got a lot, a lot more to come. We still is in Texas, but at some point I'm going to switch over to Ohio, and then I'm going to end up coming back to Texas. But I still have to talk about a lot of Butler housing, a lot of different people. Some of them went on to do great things with their lives. Some of them died early. Uh, you got to hear what Mama had to say about some of these 
young people in their life, and uh, uh, we still got to talk about Calvary, uh, some of the well-known people that come through Calvary, household names, some of them not household names. I still got to talk about just COC, Christian Outreach Center. We still have to talk about the Kings. I want to talk about a gentleman by the name of Isaiah Thomas. I want to talk about a young lady by the name of Carol Cobb. Then we still have to talk about in the future the Israel trips and re- meeting some of the most powerful people that are walking on your earth, people that sit on the board of the uh, the World Bank, uh, people that own and ran uh, companies nearly the size of Nike, Rose Missoula, Dr. Tony Love, Aviar. Still needs to talk about ASEC at Columbus. Still needs to talk about a powerful brother named Brother Fred in Tulsa where we had this deliverance service and demons cast out and how he played a part in that. Still come your way is um, just so many uh, people that just bigger than life to me. Uh, still coming your way is me talking about my first job after being a knucklehead at Poly High School, how my life changed and I ended up coming out of the gate uh, June 4th gave my life to the Lord, re-gave, rededicated my life to the Lord, and and uh, that same day I started working at FAA. Nice job. People, grown-ups didn't have jobs at night, and I was a knucklehead. And still coming your way, the table how I ran for a little office and, and how the Father used me uh, in a ways that just Mama couldn't believe that a boy that was in trouble at his school, and then six months later, he's nearly making the honor roll. He gave his life to God. He's he's running for office where they literally can, have, can go vote for me. And uh, meeting people like Dr. Moncrief, uh, which is the mayor of Fort Worth, uh, rich man, was on that same committee I was I ran for. I mean, I just did a just changed my life quickly, brothers and sisters, and just just different things the Father did with me. Some of y'all know because you've been listening to the Five on Network, but some of you, my friends, that's tuned into this series, you don't know how the Father used me with discerning of spirits, and you don't know some of the... We're not going to talk about my pitfalls because this is a show where we're talking about some of the greatest things the Father did with me through my friends. But all in this series, we're going to talk about, after we get off the friends, we're going to talk about events and travels in the 24 countries and what I saw and what changed me. Why do I talk so much about this Hebrew thing? And, and of course, I'm not with the Israelites that you see on, on YouTube because we ain't no, stuck on no law, and we darn sure ain't stuck on hating no white man. And so uh, Brother Seth's got a different angle on this Hebrew thing. I believe we're the people of the Bible, but I believe we are in grace, not under the law. And when you're under grace and you're living by the Spirit, I, Brother Seth, believe you keep more laws than the people that are talking about they're under the law. Because whatever the Holy Spirit says do, you got to do. And uh, we, that's where your, liber, your your freedom comes, when you obey. So, of course, we believe in obeying the Scriptures. So, and as you can see... Uh, I play different songs even on my network, uh, if I could say my network, because, again, uh, I do believe 
the Father's was on network is we. But on the network that the Father has put me in charge of, I do try to choose songs that all ethnic groups would be comfortable with. I'm not trying to appease them, but I just feel like we are the people of God. The Father is looking for that spiritual Jew, not for the natural Jew is what I'm trying to say, brothers and sisters. So on this network, uh, you're going to hear me say some things, and I know some of y'all don't know quite how to take me. You're hearing all kinds of things. There's another reason. There's several reasons I'm doing this, this series. Another, another reason I'm doing this series is because many of you think I'm in this new thing of this black hatred thing, and so I'm trying to show you, brothers and sisters, uh, some of you that know me and you haven't been in touch with me in a while, and some of you that don't know me at all, I'm trying to give you my early beginning, how it all started, what makes me tick, what formed me, what 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 do I consist of, what's in my heart. And that's another reason I'm doing this series, so y'all can see literally what ain't going to come from. Because while it's not the most important thing that we know we the Israelites are, that we know where white skin come from or where we know where dark skin come from or all, any of the five topics I named earlier that we call the five stone, it's not the most important truth. True, true. But it is something the Father is saying in the earth and it is muzzle in our churches and our religious institutions and in our educational centers. And so somebody have to declare this truth that make you free. Is it the most important truth? No. Most important truth is that we have a relationship with the Most High through His Christ. And we talk about that also on this network. We talk about the gospel. Yes, we do. But I believe I'm called to help resurrect God's people, his original people, the people he, as the book of Amos chapter 3 verse 2 says, of all the nations of the earth, you Israel have I known. So I believe I have a calling on my life to dismantle white supremacy, this cloud, this fog that's got our people deceived and can't see who they are, neither can the nation see who we are because of this fog, this cloud, this idolatry that we're in called white supremacy. So Brother Seth believes he's called to help dismantle white supremacy by teaching the truth. And this is what I was saying early on in the show. A lot of our white brothers and sisters, they will not teach because they have a stronghold in their life and they are not ever going to teach it because they committed to white supremacy. And unfortunately, a lot of our so-called black brothers and sisters because they're in the bed with these people instead of following the Holy Spirit. So that's all we're trying to do at this Foster Stone Network, Brothers I Close. We're just trying to share things we know for sure that the Father is saying to help resurrect our people. This series is a little more personal than our normal shows in that it is an encouragement. It's to remind Brother Seth uh, what who the Father is, what the Father is in his life, because like I said, I'm in kind of a valley. And it's also to share with the listening audience the power of the Most High Yah in my life. Yes, it is. And as I share, and we get more and more and get closer and closer to 2023 or the current year, you're going to see this thing is stronger than even I'm saying even now. 
The Father has his hand up on my life. Believe that, brothers and sisters. I'm not into no false doctrine. We are Israel, and we as a nation of people, along with our brothers and sisters scattered, because there's 12 tribes, we are called, we, we are called, we have the mandate on our life to lead the nations back to the Most High in a pure way. Because right now, the church is swimming in white supremacy. They can't see the Most High. They're worshiping him. I can't deny that. But like the Father arrested me when I was in the white supremacy, he is yet going to arrest a lot of you that is in this white supremacy. And the Five Stone Network is worshiping the Father, I believe, in a pure form. I mean, I don't always have it right. I'm not always perfect. I'm not always in that vein. But I know one thing. We're not whistling Dixie over here. We own to something. We are Israel. We have to become the spiritual Jew also. We have to have our hearts circumcised. But he started with us. And the world must know who we are to break the back of white supremacy. We'll talk more about that later, brothers and sisters. As I say on every single show as I'm ending, I love every single one of you. And there's nothing you can do about it. We'll see you on tomorrow night when we deal with the book that's coming, upcoming book. I'm not trying to sell nothing. I'm just literally writing a book online on the show right before everybody. Our The show's on Tuesday, which tomorrow's show is really a Tuesday show, but we're not going to have a show on the 4th of July because some of y'all going to be doing this, that, and the other. So we're going to have a show on tomorrow night. And we're going to be dealing with this white supremacy from an angle I guarantee you, you hear nobody talking about. I guarantee you're going to say, brother, that they never nobody talk about it. Because, again, the father arrested me in the spirit and showed me I was practicing. I was worshiping him. But I was in a fog. I was in a maze. I wasn't seeing him correctly. And I've been trying to shed this lie, this deception, this fog, this this thing that's got us in this spell, I've been trying to shed it ever since. And I am not 100% free. So where do you think you're at, brothers and sisters? White supremacy is a philosophy. Anyone can believe it. And I said last week, and I'm wrapping up this show, brothers and sisters, last thing. I said this last week. White supremacy is when you really believe you're superior. Most white people are too educated. They travel. They're too educated to really believe they're superior. There's only a few, few, few white people that actually believe and they're ignorant enough to think they're superior. Most white people know better. So what are they? If they operate in this, they're deceivers, liars. They let us think Jesus was white. They know better. They let us think the early earth was white. They know better. They let us think everything started with white people. They let us think their way, they're, they're happier, they're this, they're this, they're that. They let us think that for white privilege and for white worship, for whiteness, this club, they let us just walk around them and not know. But deep inside, they know. So... That's not a white supremacist. 
that's a liar or a deceiver if they're doing that. And I think most whites do that, not all. Some whites do actually push back against this. But I think most enjoy the privilege. I'm going to tell you who believe it, though. Non-white people. You ain't never heard that. Guarantee you ain't never heard it quite like that. Anyway, tune in tomorrow. I go more into that. But guess what? I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. See you tomorrow.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.